0: You're listening to episode 38 of The Comic Spouses. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives.
1: Last week, I talked about how Spider Man would poop webs if he was anatomically correct. This week, Marco's pooping his brains out. <laughs> uh,
0: that's Phil's unique way of letting you guys know that Marco is actually absent today uh two weeks ago or something like that i had a problem with uh needing to use the bathroom frequently uh marco now has the same ailment uh so we wish you well marco and uh due to marco's illness the book club which was supposed to be out last week uh was not released but it should be out soon tm uh and uh when it's out you guys will know so, stay on the lookout. Just for a that. reminder
2: if you didn't hear our announcement last week, if you want to read and catch up we're reading spider man blue uh, the first volume of ultimate spider man and Craven's last hunt
0: yes all all classics, so check that stuff out if you want to read along with us for the book club um, before we dive into the meat of the show, I do want to talk about some things real quick, most notably where you guys can find us on the internet so uh, we are on iTunes, where we are a five star rated podcast. We're very Woo! proud of that, so you guys can keep that going or not, whatever you want to do. We're trying whatever to break into that six star rating. There. Yes, uh, we were we were attacked by someone within the network, um, Andy, for not being a six star rated podcast. Uh, so that's our new goal: is to
3: become a six
2: star rated podcast. We got to get
3: to that next level. But listen, that's so much pressure, guys. I don't, I don't think I ever want to live up to that standard.
2: I don't I don't want to be a six yeah. star rated podcast. Uh, I do. No, yeah, we're Me coming up for number one. I want to beat Car
3: Talk on I'm, iTunes. Listen, I'm comfortable down here. And we will leave you here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you want to be here. Uh if you want to settle for five star ratings, that's cool, man. But uh I've got bigger ambition. Uh we are also on SoundCloud where a lot of you guys do listen to us. Uh let's keep that trend going. You can find us at the Comics Pals wherever social media is sold. And I want to thank you guys also for a lot of the interaction that we've been getting on social media. It's really important to us, and uh, shows us that you guys are are paying attention to what we do. So let's keep that that going. And if you haven't checked us out there yet, there's a ton of stuff for you guys to look at. So definitely do follow us again at the Comics Pals all over the place um and last but not least or actually before before we get to youtube uh you guys can write to us at comicspals at gmail.com you can write into us with random questions of the week uh you can write into us with buyer ourselves let us know why phil is your least favorite pal all that kind of stuff um and then of course youtube if you are a listener of our podcast on youtube you can like the video uh share with your friends leave a comment subscribe to our channel. There's a ton of YouTube content, ton of YouTube exclusive content that if you are an audio only listener, you do not know about. So you should definitely go there and check out a lot of the stuff that we have done. Uh, And there's more stuff coming. So now's a great time to jump on that bandwagon. So with that being said, uh, let's do the show. Let's let's jump in. Uh, I believe it was we had, we had some pals' birthdays recently. Oh, who could that be? <laughs> well, uh, Phil had a birthday recently, so happy birthday, Phil. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Shit, I, genu-
3: I genuinely forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: all about me, baby. That's
1: right. Right? That's where Twitter let me know that I'm the most influential pal. Uh, and Kale also had a birthday recently.
0: Yes. So
2: happy birthday, that Kale. That he shares with America. Well,
3: yeah. America. Well,
0: America had a birthday.
3: America shares it with me. And <laughs> <laughs> So, Kale, you got a gift
0: from a friend. So, I
3: mean, speaking of birthdays, uh yeah, my my uh my my pal Nick Lollum, uh, uh, friend of the show, uh you might remember uh we talked about adopting his uh, his newborn baby, Gwen. Uh, still, uh, looking into drawing up the paperwork for that, so, uh, Nick, I, I, I do expect that to be in the mail any day now, so, uh, you will be getting served. Uh, but Nick sent me a gift that he specifically wanted me to open on the show. Uh, so I will do that. Now, cut, cut away Uh, from the body. Here we go, okay? I'm 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 the microphone. I'm getting... (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's just Gwen.
3: As uh, he's using the, the knife,
1: I'm gonna say it's a baby.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna guess it has something to do with superheroes.
1: No. Alright. Wrong. Uh, wrong. It, uh...
2: Well, let's do it then. Open it, it. Open it. Open it. Yeah.
1: Marco, edit in a drum roll.
3: It's paper! Whoa! Whoa! Wow! USA! Wow! Wow! Bubble dumb. pop! You guys are dumb. <laughs> it's uh, oh boy. Oh milk? boy, is it, oh boy. it's, a is it? so it's a Oh break-o. that's
2: a big old box! Oh wow! Is that Watchmen? What
3: the fuck is that? It's What's a statue! Cy- oh! Oh, it's a Cyclops statue! <laughs> it's a X-Men Evolution Cyclops statue!
2: Whoa, that's really sick. All right. This was worth it. Wow. Wow, that's really cool. I've actually seen that at one of my local comic book stores. That's a really sweet statue. This thing is
3: cool. Nick, thank you so much, dude. Holy crap. Now you got to put it with the
0: Jean Grey. Uh. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's what you're getting for Christmas. And don't make that face uh, because they go together. It's a set, okay?
3: Uh, <laughs> where's, the, where's the teenage Emma Frost? Nick, thank you so much. Uh, this is amazing and incredible. And uh, uh, I can't thank you enough. I want to adopt your baby.
0: There it I'm is. sure there will be more, many more thank yous to come off the air. Nick, thank you for the gift. Uh, we gracefully accept it. Kale, since you're ungrateful, I'll take it. Um, he's you can very mail grateful. that to me. No, he's not because he's not grateful for Jean Grey and Cyclops <gasps> it, and Jean. Listen, if guy. it was a Jean
3: Grey statue, I would package it right back. I would walk <laughs> it to your house. You know what? Thank you. Thank you.
2: You know what? Good.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna play a new game here. Uh, you longtime listeners will recall an episode uh, where we voted for who the president should be. Since we don't want Donald Trump to be the president, we thought, hey, what comic book supervillain could or should be the president? And each of us advocated for a particular supervillain. So we're gonna do something similar, and I'm gonna let Phil explain it since it's his idea.
1: All right, listeners. Early on, we had an episode where we weren't sure about who the greatest Spider-Man villain was, and we're going to debate about it today. I'm going to moderate. We'll have a round where we have initial remarks from each of the advocates, and then a round for retorts, and then we will determine who is the ultimate Spider-Man villain.
2: So now, do we get to pick who we're advocating nope,
1: for? No, I'm picking. Oh, that's for you. that's some
2: that's some crap.
1: Yep. <laughs> because if you pick the person you're most, you'll logically pick the person you're most comfortable and familiar with talking about. Which, in some context, Pete, huge Spider-Man fan, I think you'd have an advantage. All right, Kale, I'm going to assign to you, perhaps the ultimate Silver Age Spider-Man villain, Doctor Otto
2: Octavius.
1: right.
3: Challenge accepted. That's a good
2: one.
1: Pete, I'm putting you in a corner for this one. And this is the one that will create the most enjoyable listening content for our listeners. You have Venom.
2: Oh, come on. All right. (laughs) Fine. So what? Sean gets Green Goblin? They get the two easy answers? That's right. Oh, that's bullshit. (laughs) so Sean, by virtue
1: that you get Mr. Norman Osborn. Sounds good. So... Le-
0: so, initial- so basically,
2: they're Democrat and Republican, and I'm the fucking Green Party. Great.
1: <laughs> no, I'm the Green Party. <laughs> All right, take a take a few seconds to think over what you want to say. Cale, you're going to lead us off. And then Sean, and then Pete. Pete, because I think you're at the biggest disadvantage, I'm giving you the most opportunity to come up with your argument.
2: All right.
1: So I'm, I'm going to give a minute. I'm going to give a minute for each of you to give your comment. That's a long time. Let's do thirty. 30 seconds. Thirty seconds. All right. Yeah. Ready? Kale. Why is Doctor Octopus the greatest Spider-Man villain?
3: I think for me, uh, Doc Ock is the greatest because simply because at this point he's beaten Spider-Man. Uh, he's he's gone so far as to kill Peter Parker and become him. Uh, his and not only that. Recently, return as Doctor Octopus. Uh, so do- uh, Otto Octavius has become both the Superior Spider-Man and the Superior Octopus. All
1: right, he's that's thirty-four m- seconds. I paused you so you could finish your sentence.
3: Oh, okay. That was only thirty seconds, man. I talk <laughs> slow.
1: All right, all right,
0: all right, all right. <laughs> give him, give him, give him an, an extra thirty seconds. The only we'll do the, ex- no! the only <laughs> other a full minute.
3: We'll the only do a full minute. the only other thing I was going to say is that he's also. Uh, married Aunt May.
1: So he's the greatest hero. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know what I said.
1: All right. That took us, that took us to forty seconds. So we'll do thirty seconds, and I'll let a little over uh, a little over thirty seconds if you have a sentence to finish. All right. So, Sounds good. Sean, why is Green Goblin the greatest Spider Man villain?
0: So the reason why Green Goblin is the greatest Spider Man villain, and why it should be obvious to anyone that he is, is because he's taken the most from spider-man no one else can claim that they've killed gwen stacy arguably spider-man's greatest love who knows what his life would have been like if gwen stacy hadn't been killed uh green goblin has infected every element of peter parker's life uh personally professionally he's taken more from him than anyone he's also the the one who's reached the most heights this is the man who became the leader of shield and redesigned shield in his own image no one yeah go ahead Thirty-two seconds
1: No problem. All right, Pete. Hey, Kale got 40 seconds. What's that? I I told you, 30 seconds was a little over. All right, all right. Okay, go ahead. All right, Pete, I'm putting it up last. Why is Venom the greatest Spider-Man villain?
2: Well, I think both of my my competition here makes great cases. I think uh, the problem here is that both of these characters have been compromised in their status as a Spider-Man villain because Green Goblin has moved on to heights beyond Peter Parker. His vendetta with Peter is in his past now. He's moved on. And Dr. Otto Octavius, I mean, is he even a villain anymore? Think of all this time he spent as a do-gooder and the fact that, you know, he fell in love with this woman and he wanted to clean up his act and be worthy of her. Who knows if he'll even remain the Otto Octavius that we've known to fear. Pause. 30 I didn't even get to talk, talk about Venom. <laughs> 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 All I did was criticize my competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, so, a you it
1: so now the retort round? Yeah, 30 seconds. Kale, respond to uh, uh, the goblin and the venom. <laughs> didn't make a, a venom case. <laughs>
2: I got another round, bitch! <laughs> 30
1: seconds on the clock whenever you start.
3: Okay, so in just blatantly in response to Venom, a man's not allowed to fall in love. Uh, go on, go on with that. It, Norman Osborne is a sadistic murderer who uh, is only guided by his own political agenda, mixed with uh, a, a cocktail of steroids and uh, uh, personal mental issues. This this is a man with. Such an obscene grudge uh, that he could truly benefit the world. He took over S.H.I.E.L.D., but what did he do in the meantime? He created the Dark Avengers.
1: All right, Sean. Reply to the Octopus Man and to the Symbiote Boy. Cool. Kale, hey, thanks for making my point for me. And
0: uh, Pete... It, clearly, you just displayed only one thing, which is that you don't read modern Spider-Man comics, because if you did, you would know that Doc Ock is very much a threat uh, currently to Spider-Man, and that Green Goblin's Green Goblin's uh, hatred for Spider-Man is the reason why he fell during his days as the, the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., because he couldn't get over it and had to put the costume back on, and Venom is currently a hero, so I really don't think your point had uh, much weight to it.
1: Pause. All right, Pete, this is your chance.
2: Sean, I'm going to be honest with you. Everything after one more day doesn't even take place in Marvel Prime. It takes place in an alternate universe. I pretend (laughs) it doesn't exist. So to get back to my candidate, Venom, what other character on a biological level has that hatred for Spider-Man in his very being? That's all I need to say. I don't have any other arguments. I don't have a leg to stand on. This is ridiculous. <laughs>
1: you argue your point. <laughs> All right,
3: ten seconds. Final remarks. Kale. Ultimately, Doctor Octopus is su- is he's clearly the superior Spider-Man villain. <laughs> he he has. Pause. That's ten seconds. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Alright, Sean, 10 seconds. Final thoughts. The most
0: iconic Spider-Man image of all time is Gwen Stacy falling off the bridge and Spider-Man trying to save her. Green Goblin is the cause of that.
3: But he's not even in the picture!
1: But he's not. <laughs> yeah, he is. Is
0: he?
2: i look it up right now. Pete,
1: final. final remarks.
2: Final remarks. Yes, he is in the picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, every villain, every hero needs a mirror image. And Venom is that mirror image. All
1: right. All right. So that brings us to the end of this. Uh, Do you guys want to vote on each other or do you want me to designate the winner?
2: No, No, you should vote. You're the mod. Just pick. All
1: right. Well, Pete, you didn't win. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to go to Sean. He made the uh, best case and retorted the most cases. So Green Goblin is the winner of who the greatest Spider-Man villain is. Thank you.
0: Uh... So, of course, I won. Uh, Green Goblin actually is the greatest Spider-Man villain. Uh, but, of course, you know, I didn't have much competition anyway. Uh, so I graciously and very humbly accept uh, yeah, very humbly. being the victor
3: here. Hum- humbly, okay. The sa- yeah, humbly, humbly in a real Norman Osborn fashion. Right? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Truly, Please. Sean is the Iron
1: Patriot.
2: Man, if I could have had Otto, I could have actually fucking given you a run for your money.
1: <laughs> see i knew you didn't believe that pete that's why i gave you venom because i thought it would be the most sporting <laughs> and then you were like, the thing
2: oh. is, like i don't believe in i mean i i don't necessarily believe doc ock is either but i feel like there's such a good case to be made for him
1: i'm dropping my pee my bucket of pee in the sand and i'm leaving that's what you believe. like
2: like Kale didn't yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I gave up. Like Cale, I was like so surprised that you didn't bring up like Captain Stacy. You know, like there's there's a lot of like there's deeper cuts to go for there too. Uh, I,
3: for me, for me, I I I do believe that Doc Ock's big moment of triumph was superior. You oh, know, whatever I mean, whatever you believe about that story, your personal opinions aside, that's a big one. So oh, yeah, that, like, that's where I based no, it.
2: No question. I just mean like him being a massive thorn in Peter's side goes so much further back than that. Sure. Sure. <laughs>
0: He's the first. So if if you guys did enjoy that and would like to hear us do that more often, you can let us know um on all the platforms that we discussed earlier uh you can write to us if you've got any any um ideas for a similar game if you want us to advocate for for example one i'm sure we'll play down the road who the greatest avenger is that's something that you could write into us with and we will play it live on the air uh, I personally enjoyed doing that so I definitely want to do it again.
2: I want to moderate a Superman one and I'm going to give Phil the most D-list fucking Superman <laughs> you know villain I about. Fucking Just be I like, like, "All right, Sean, you get Lex Luthor. <laughs> 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 and Phil, you can have fucking like Toy, Toy Man. Man." Yeah, Fine. exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm in.
0: I feel like Phil will Phil will really try. He'll
3: own it. Yeah.
0: I'm in. Um So, speaking of Spider-Man's villains, I think we could all agree that Spider-Man probably has one of the greatest um rogues galleries of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that inspires this week's buy or sell on a Spider-Man centric episode. Uh because I want to know what you guys think about this. Buy or sell on the better rogues gallery, Spider-Man's or Batman's?
2: Oh, I knew that's where you were going. That's a that's a tough one, man.
0: I agree. I couldn't even when I thought of it. I wasn't even sure my answer.
3: The Flash.
1: <sighs> Interesting. I'm gonna say Batman. Why? Um, it might be exposure. Um, I think the Bat Rogues Gallery has had a lot of exposure over the last twenty, like 40, fifty years. Like, um, I'm going back to the Adam West movie. Like all the villains team up in it. Um, I there's definitely a sense of I can see where the comparison is drawn, but I think his Rogue's Gallery is a reflection of the writer writing the character, whether he's like Mopey Detective or James Bond, like traveling around the world, you know, uh, adventurer. I think there are more recognizable villains. Uh, I think the psychosis of those characters, uh, there's more room for interesting narratives to be drawn with characters like mad hatter who's like a lister, um scarecrow um uh um <clears> one <throat> of their names uh the, the the two twins you know who I'm talking about tweedledee and tweedledum tweedledee and tweedledum uh like i think of that batman story by morrison serious house on serious earth and like weaves this narrative of all their weird psychosis in arkham um so I'm going to buy on the Batman villains and sell on the Spider-Man ones, which isn't a slight to the Spider-Man ones.
0: Okay. Anyone else have their answer?
2: Um yeah, I'll go. I mean, I mine's kind of a cop out, like I'm more of a Spider-Man fan, so like if it is like a one or the other, I think I'm going to buy on the Spider-Man villains, but I do think Batman's I think Batman's rogues gallery are probably more important to him. You know, like I I think like Spider-Man's villains are great, but I don't feel like when you th- when you think of a lot of like the appeal or like the like the great Spider-Man stories, a lot of it doesn't have to do with his villains. You know, it like a lot of them are really cool. They're really colorful. A lot of them do a lot. Like we talked about, like you know, um, Otto and and um, and Norman have both been great foils for Peter. But I feel like so much more often they're obstacles to tell stories about Peter, whereas I feel like there's a lot more interplay between Batman and his villains. And I think his villains are often a much bigger part of what makes a narrative work. You know, like we talked about Craven, and that was a story that was so focused around Craven, obviously. But I don't think there are a lot of Spider-Man stories like that, you know, or, or where any one of his rogues is like so, so pivotal. In, in telling that story all the time. You know, I, and like maybe that's an easy thing to say, but you know, um I I get why people say Batman's Rogue gallery is the best supervillain rogues gallery because I think it is. But just as a Spider-Man fan as someone who prefers Spider-Man as a character, like I'm going to have to go with Spider-Man's villains.
3: <clears throat> I don't think I want to answer this as a fan. Um I I think uh I think if I, I I'm going to Take it from the point of view of if I were if I were Batman, whose whose villains would I want? I would definitely want Spider Man's.
1: <laughs> really, I think I think if I was the character, I'd want Spider Man's because Spider Man's a much more physically formidable character than Batman, and his villains reflect that. As his his villains are like augmented with super strength and speed and shit.
3: I, Batman's have that in spades as well Well, no, just, Clayface, just like killer croc bane uh who's that who's that one guy uh Who, there's even, another bane like character that i can't think of his but,
1: name but even killer croc and bane are like norman osborne strong who's like physically augmented to be you know spider-man strength and and Ghoul's mm-hmm. also Batman's like physical equal. They're both like peak yeah. human type guys.
2: I don't know. I mean, like literally, almost every one of Spider-Man's villains is stronger than him, like on yeah. a pound for pound like level. You know, like any one of them could kill him if he wasn't smarter and better at fighting.
1: Yeah, most of most of Batman's villains aren't particular. Like it's more psychological. The narrative structure is for those characters, like Joker, Two Face. Um... So as a as a villain, as a hero, I don't know if I'd want Batman's villains more just because Spider-Man's
3: villains would be able to literally punch a hole in me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I, hadn't, yeah, rate, I hadn't, considered that.
0: It is it is Kale's time. I think so what, I think you I you think bat,
3: Ultimately, what I'm getting at is, uh, Batman's are scarier. So if I'm a hero <laughs> going into that, I would want Spider-Man's villains, and I'll take whatever comes.
0: So you're buying on, on Spider-Man. Spider-Man's
3: villains. Yeah. All right,
0: I am going to. I'm I'm actually surprised at myself right now, but I'm going to buy on Spider-Man's villains. Fuck yeah! Because as I think about because it, because this I, is I a strongly... Spider-Man episode, <laughs> right? When we do the Batman episode, I'll give you a Batman answer. Uh, no, I I strongly believe that uh, Spider-Man's villains. There's more of a. There's more i don't want to say it's personal in a lot of senses because it is with for example it is with um with norman and it is with venom because they actually know who he is under the mask a lot of them don't but they want to kill him really really badly like craven has a an extremely personal vendetta against spider-man dr octopus has a personal vendetta against spider-man um uh like carnage. Like a lot of those villains really need to see Spider-Man dead. Whereas for Batman, they do, but like I feel like Penguin just wants to be a crime lord. Poison Ivy just wants to save the planet. Mr. Freeze just wants his wife. Yeah. Like most of them just want them, Batman
2: out of the fucking way.
0: Right. To be able to do what they want to do. Whereas Spider-Man's villains have they really, really need him to die. Because it's it's personal for them
1: now. Um, I feel like you could say that. Sorry, you make it sound like they're one dimensional. Then
0: no, I don't say that. I'm just saying that in the within the context of their characters, a big component to who they are is that is that they really have a desperate desire to kill Spider-Man. Craven has other ambitions, but he can't he can't do them um, with Spider-Man in the way, and he's made Spider-Man such a fixture in his mind that that. That he does come back to kill Spider Man over and over again. Even though it's probably not even wise for him to do that. Whereas with Batman, a lot of his stories are just him stopping the criminals doing what they're doing. Um you know, they, they it's not really as relevant for them that, that they that Batman die, they just can't do what they're trying to do with him alive. So
2: I was gonna say a lot of Spider Man's villains like have been embarrassed by him. And like they feel like they need to like put him in the fucking ground to like regain like honor or whatever.
0: Right, whereas Batman's villains a lot of the time are just crazy, and, like, it doesn't even matter whether or not Batman exists or, um they they're they have some super big goal that batman just repeatedly stops them from accomplishing and they just keep trying you know and he keeps stopping them so i would go with spider-man's villains for that and then on top of that they're also very visually compelling whereas a lot of batman's villains aren't which isn't a knock on them it works in that world but when i think about movies and i think about like comics who do i want to read stories about for for the visual element Definitely Spider-Man's villain, so I'm gonna buy on Spider-Man's Rose Gallery. Yeah, dude. Like
2: the sin- Like whenever you see like a story that has to do with a Sinister Six, like any lineup of a Sinister Six, like it's always just like, yeah, this is like some of the most colorful cast of like legitimately interesting supervillains that we've got. And most of them aren't fucking clones, like a lot of other Marvel characters, you know? Like, yeah, we got Venom, well, but at
3: least until the Clone Saga, I mean. <laughs> right?
2: Hey, but it took like 30 years of publication history before we got to that, so (laughs) not too bad.
3: (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, that's that's Buy or Sell. Again, if you have any ideas for Buy or Sell that you want to shoot our way, you can always do that. Uh, The best way to reach us is by writing to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So now we're going to dive into some pals pulls. These are the picks uh, that the Comics Pals curated these are the books that we're looking forward to that are coming out this week um and we want to share them with you guys if you want to share your pulls with us you can use the hashtag pals polls wherever social media is sold and we will check that stuff out and share it uh on social media so Uh, For this week, uh, I chose Batman number 27. Uh, The War of Jokes and Riddles is in full swing, and um, it's good stuff. So if you're into Batman, if you're into what Tom King's been doing with Batman, or you haven't read it and you want to dive in, Batman 27 is probably not the best time. But if you pick (laughs) up the most recent uh, issues alongside this one, you'll have a great idea of where this story is and where it's going. And um, this is good stuff. I got to catch up on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Marco, who's not here with us, chose Archie number 22 and James Bond Kill Chain number one. Can't speak to why he chose those books, but uh, I know the J- the James Bond stuff that they've been
3: doing has been good. Because so.
2: Archie's fire. I yeah, just started reading it this week yeah. and I love it.
3: The, th- the three of us are super into Archie. That's why. Uh, yeah. But somebody oh, somebody dies this week, I think. Oh my God. That's what I was just oh. looking at the solicitations. bum. bum. Um Yeah, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, did Roman Reigns back Archie's ambulance into a wall or something?
3: Okay. (laughs) That sounds right. Uh, (laughs) uh, This one's
0: from Pete. We've got Invincible number 138. Do you want to briefly say some words?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I said this last month when Invincible came out. I've, like, been really not reading it because I'm really emotionally not ready for it to be over. So I am, I think, still... What I guess this is the seventh issue this year, so I'm that many behind. So I don't really know where we're at right now in the story, but Invincible is wrapping up pretty quickly. I only, we've only got like I think three more issues left, four more issues left. I'm pretty sure it's over in October. So um by next time, I'll I'll think I'll have caught it up. I, I picked up all the ones I missed, so I'm ready to read them. I just have to like sit down and get into it. But it's like it's hard, man. Like I'm not, I don't want to say goodbye to my favorite book, you know? Yeah, understandable.
0: Uh, I also chose Secret Empire number six this week. Uh, you know, I, I, get it. I get it. A lot of people don't want to read this stuff. They're just, not into uh, it. I've just seeing this can. one through, huh? No, I think it's really good. I I really enjoy it. Um, and a lot of the people who, you know, have bad words to say about it, haven't read it. And a lot of the people who have read it, who weren't fans of Nick Spencer or Marvel's direction, they've they're enjoying it. So, I don't really know. You know? I don't like Nick right.
2: Spencer on Twitter, so I don't want to read his comics.
0: Right. Whatever. Um and then from Kale, we've got we've got two from Kale, uh Power Rangers number 17 and Torchwood Station 0. You want to say anything about these books? Uh
3: Power Rangers is consistently one of the the best comics I I keep reading. I'm always surprised at how good it is, especially based on like the source material. Uh you know, not not that when I was a kid, I was ever, you know, like, oh, the Power Rangers are dumb. But, like, there's not a lot there. And I, like, I just finished the, the Pink Ranger miniseries. And I, man, I, I'm crazy about it. So I'm consistently surprised at how good the, uh, this series of books are. Uh, and then uh, for Torchwood, um, I i'm not a huge doctor who and torchwood fan but uh if you are i would definitely recommend picking up this book uh jess works really hard on it and uh so i i know the quality is there because uh my girlfriend works on it so please buy it i'm i'm hungry
2: (laughs) (laughs) wow what a personal pals pull there um, hey, cool. whatever. Awesome. Hey, he, he, it wasn't like he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm so into this book. You've got to go read it. You know, it's like as long as you're honest about it, it's like, yeah, go I like fucking it. buy the book. Support Jess, friend of the show.
0: I like, well, more than friend of the show. Girlfriend know? of the uh, show. Girlfriend of the show. That sounds yeah. weird, but okay. Girlfriend of <laughs> Kale who's on the show. I like that. <laughs> um, so we're going to do some news now. Uh, we do We do that from time to time. Did we did, talk did, about did, the did, news. Did, 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 Every time so, I try
2: to sneak in a soundbite once in a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Wonder Woman 2 has been on the minds of a lot of us who, you know, really enjoyed the first one and are anxious to find out what Go check they're going to do review. with the second one. Yes, we did do a review. Uh, we all liked it. Um, so, we've, we've got a big rumor. We've got the, the rumor now, um, which is coming from Screen Rant. They've obtained some production details, which... Lead us to believe that Wonder Woman 2 will be set during the 1980s, which, of course, would be during the Cold War. Um, And it would pit Diana against the Soviet Union during the last days of the Cold War. Um, Jeff Johns is going to return as a producer, and we know that he's working on the script with Patty Jenkins. We reported on that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and allegedly, Screen Rant is reporting that uh, Chris Pine is going to come back as Steve Trevor. So his plane blew up at the end of the movie, Wonder Woman. And I'm sorry if you didn't see it and you didn't know that, but that's what happened. And uh, so it, it's got me wondering, and I'm sure the rest of you guys wondering, how they will bring him back. So, what do you guys think about the movie taking place during the Cold War and her being involved in, in that and with the return of Steve Trevor? Flashback
3: flashback.
2: Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I was thinking they might pull some um like nonsense that they pulled in the like television show when they moved it forward in terms of, like, "Oh, it's his son," but it's like he doesn't have a son. So, don't know what that's about, but yeah, I mean, I guess a flashback is the way that would make the most sense, right?
0: Uh, I I I'm really not I don't really like the fact that they're going to set it in the past again. I was a big advocate of them jumping things forward and bringing Wonder Woman into modern times. I don't like the idea of locking her villains or her supporting cast into these time periods and then not have access to them down the road. Um, I mean, even Etta Candy, you know, she's not going to be able to be in this movie because it takes place like 70 years or whatever um, ahead of the first one. So either she's 90 or she's dead. And that sucks because I like that character and and I wanted to see, or I would love to see more of her, but we won't get that.
2: I I Um, definitely think we'll probably get like an Eddie Candy, like granddaughter, like great granddaughter character or something like that. I feel like that's gotta happen, you know? They can't leave all these characters to die, you know?
0: Right. But then again, it's like, okay, so then Wonder Woman 3 will take place during modern times, maybe. Maybe she'll. You know, I don't know. What whatever. there there's a lot of things they could do.
2: I'd be i I'd be alright with that because I feel like the eighties aren't so long ago. You know, like they could introduce Edda Candy's granddaughter or whatever, she's like nineteen or twenty and helping out Wonder Woman, and then in the modern times she's like in her fifties or sixties or whatever, you know?
0: I guess. And she's um, like a
2: government agent or something like she was in the Greg Rucker run. Like I'd right. be alright. Yeah.
0: It could it could it could be good. It could be good. Uh as we say on this show, um, From that show and then baby. again, it's it's the villains. You know, you, you're not doing Ares again. So what do you do? Do you do like who does she even have that that makes sense with uh, the Cold War? I I you know I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't really know enough about Wonder Woman to like speak to that. Like I think we talked about in our Wonder Woman special how her rogues gallery isn't super iconic or anything. But could be
3: know. some could be some KGB experimentation. We get the cheetah. Oh yeah, that can work. Um, that's
0: oh man, I see that that's a good idea, but I don't like it anyway because um the Cheetah's origin, you know, we've talked we don't whatever, we talked a lot about that during the Wonder Woman special, but she's directly tied into the gods and she's a direct parallel for Wonder Woman because she's kind of the inverse, like Cheetah or the woman who is the Cheetah wants to Uh, is fascinated by gods and becomes a god as a result of her kind of meddling and getting into the wrong stuff. Whereas Wonder Woman um, is created by gods but becomes a human. So they're like on different trajectories. A human who becomes a god versus a god- or a god-like character who becomes essentially a human, and you totally lose that if you go with that with what Kale said. But what Kale said makes sense. It's, I, not, it's, a, it's a good idea. I
3: disagree. You could, I mean, you could easily make the case that you know she is a scientist in charge of whatever, and she knows about Wonder Woman and her godhood and wants to become like that. So she operates on herself or whatever.
1: Yeah also not every cheetah has that origin story there's like six of them and that's only that's, true. that's only what Deborah domain no that's which one is it
0: uh, i can I can't, i'm f- blanking on her name right now but um i can also s-
2: i can also see that being an interesting parallel where maybe the woman who becomes cheetah isn't the scientist that turns her right, like it's maybe like Wonder Woman was made by the gods, you know, and like wants to be a human, and then we have this like, you know, quote unquote man made creature trying to also be human, and there's there's a way you could have those be that same kind of dynamic, um, if the if the narrative works, you know, right, like if the script is good,
3: or even yeah, even a man made creature trying to you know reach for godhood. Sure. Barbara and Minerva
0: is the scientist, mm, Minerva. the ar- archaeologist scientist cheetah. And and you're right, Phil. There's there's definitely many different cheetahs that they could go with. I, I, you know, it's it's just a preference thing, and not my thing, I guess. The Wonder Woman comics that I have read, um, star her. That's the that's the cheetah that I'm familiar with. I really like that origin. I would love to see it play out on screen. But you guys are right. There's many ways to go with it. And as far as logical. Ways to utilize that character on screen.
2: Kale brought up a great point. That's a good idea. Definitely do it. I'm just really hoping that we get some, like, the whole KGB, like, Cold War thing makes me really excited for some of the, like, Diana Prince, like, spy stuff yeah, that we talked about.
3: that's what I was going to say. There's no way we're looking at this movie and it's not going to be a Wonder Woman, James Bond film. Like, <laughs> Sounds like fun. Though I have to say, how funny is it going to be, like...
2: When we get that, everyone's like, so is the Wonder Woman trajectory to just literally copy the Captain America movies? First one's a period piece set in a world, uh, in a world war. The next one's a spy thriller, you Mm -hmm. know? If it works then we make Justice League Justice League 1.5 with Wonder Woman 3 and it's actually better than Justice League.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll
0: we'll see how it plays out. I'll, I'll I'm not excited. I will get more excited as we hear more stuff down the road. And this movie's not going to be out for a while, so. We've learned that Green Lantern Earth 1 is the next series in a line of graphic novels that uh DC has been putting out. Uh this one's going to be It's going to have a really good creative team, actually, a creative team that I'm a big fan of, which is Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko, with Jordan Boyd doing the uh, colors for them. Uh, He's an an amazing talent. Um, This is is going to be really cool. This is going to be really awesome. Um, But so what they're doing with it is they're actually kind of reworking Hal's origin. Uh, He's going to be an astronaut instead of a pilot, and he's going to work... On prospecting, prospecting asteroids for Ferris Galactic. Um, so, yeah. So he finds the Green Lantern ring. And learns that it came from the Green Lantern corpse. Uh, that was long ago murdered by the Manhunters. Uh, and so he decides that he wants to bring the corpse back. Uh, and that's kind of the story. So
2: what do you guys think about
1: that? Sounds really pulpy. I like it.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't know, man, I find, I haven't read all of the Earth 1 stories, but I just really like, I like the way that they choose to kind of reimagine things because I feel like it's such a, it always feels like, oh, this is cool. Like this feels close to the core of the character, but it's like something different. Like, it sounds like a really interesting kind of like silver agey kind of story, but I'm sure it'll be A very modern take on that kind of story. So yeah, I'm I'm all in for this. This sounds great.
0: Gabriel Hardman is one of my favorite artists.
2: Uh, That promo image is like fucking cool as hell.
0: I had the opportunity to interview the both of them. They're their husband and wife, or I'm sorry, not husband and wife, but they're in a relationship. And uh, they're both very, very cool. One of my favorite books being published is Invi- *Invisible Republic*, which uh, they are the creative team behind. And actually, uh, Hardman did a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, when you when you make it in a movie, like the concept art and the paneling, the storyboards. Oh, storyboards. You know? Yeah, the storyboarding for *Interstellar*. Oh. So huh. yeah. So. He's got his, he does a lot of storyboards for a lot of films, and um, so he's got his hands in that kind of stuff, and um, this is right up his alley, artistically, and then Karina is very concerned with, like, space and and human beings existing beyond Earth and stuff like that, that's... This is very much in their wheelhouse. So it's very smart on DC's part to choose this creative team for this book. I think Green Lantern is a perfect um, pick after doing one for Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Green Lantern is next up, and that's awesome. I think it makes perfect sense. And I'm really excited for this. We think we get
2: Earth One Flash next, maybe? Makes sense. Yeah. Right? I always thought it was kind of weird that it was like Teen Titans were the third series, right? That's true. And it's kind of like... It's like yeah, like the Teen Titans are great and everything, but they
3: they happened right around the same time as Wonder Woman, yeah. Okay. They were like
2: a few months before, though I think. Yeah, I rem- not not far. Because I remember when Wonder Woman came out and I took an interest in it. I was like, I knew that there was Earth One Batman, and I was like, oh, there's a Superman book too. That makes sense. And I was like, oh, there's Teen Titans too. What? Like, is this like a whole universe? And it's, it's no, not, not yet. But they're
1: not. They're not really. Connected. There's no implication that any of the Earth One stories take place in the same continuity. I, th- I think it. I think it honestly comes from, like, an author or an artist as an idea, and you're like, well, this could work as an Earth One imprint. Yeah. Because I know Grant had a Wonder Woman idea, and you know, became the Earth One pitch.
2: God, I love that and fun then, comic.
0: Also, this Green Lantern story obviously takes place way in the future because they're prospecting asteroids and obviously we can't do that so that separates it way way away from the other earth one series
1: yeah i don't think they're meant to be interrelated
0: but i will say kudos to dc for sure for not only um putting these kinds of books out because i think that they're important but for putting creative teams together that makes sense for these books you know so far i would say all the creative teams have been stellar and it's such a contrast to what marvel has done with their season one books, yeah, Which, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to disparage the creative teams, but they're not putting their A plus list. They're not. They're not putting their. It's not Bendis writing them, you know. Yeah. Like to they did benefit. one with Rick, uh, for for the star power alone. Like if you want to sell books, you put on the the, the best of the best the most popular and they haven't done that they did one with Rick Remender called Rage of Ultron but it wasn't it's not it's not an origin story it's just a graphic novel that tells a story that's directly it, it's in continuity yeah
2: it's like that's that's not the same thing like this is like what we've been talking about forever like i feel like these are such good jumping on points for people you know like we were all like You know, or not all of us had the same level of experience with Wonder Woman and, like, Earth One was such an easy book to pick up and be like, oh, I get this. This is, like, fucking great, you know? And it's Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette where it's, like, yeah, that's – yeah, like that's a fucking tier talent. Whereas, like, even if you're a diehard Wonder Woman fan, you can read that story and get something out of it. I think because it's good and it's quality. You know, Batman
1: Earth One is Jeff Johns and uh, Gary Frank, who are yeah. an incredible collaboration. <laughs> it's like
2: these yeah. are like these are names. These are like the fucking names. You know,
3: and 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 the point here, I think, is that is that these people work together and have worked together for a really long time, and they work. The season one books didn't really do that
1: did j michael straczynski and shane davis have a relationship they're the ones who did superman
0: no not to my not not to my knowledge that was like one that that was one of the first things that jms actually did for dc um so and shane davis he he's not he does a lot of other kind of stuff too like outside of the big two um but yeah, I'm excited for this. I really can't wait. Actually, this is this is one of the few announcements coming from uh, mainstream comics right now that I'm really excited about.
1: Yeah, it, it looks real promising, uh, suffice to say. Yeah.
0: Um. So, it looks like we've got news about what the next dc animated film will be uh dc has done a lot of good work with their animated films over the last 10 years in fact they announced they were going to do like a whole um 10 year anniversary collection which is going to have all their uh films in it but um it looks like the next one is actually going to be gotham by gaslight Because uh, an image from Reddit shows the back of the cover to the Batman and Harley Quinn Blu-ray, which is not out yet. Um, But on the back, it includes um, in the special features section, it says new animated movie, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. So it... it that You know, provided this isn't doctored, which it really doesn't look like it is, um, that's what we're going to be getting. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, Gotham by Gaslight is a DC Elseworlds story, which is kind of kind of in the vein of the Earth One stuff to an extent, except these are not... Uh, they don't take place in continuity, but they're also not origin stories. And uh, it features Bruce Wayne becoming Batman in 1889 and investigating whether Jack the Ripper has come to Gotham. Um so it's it's actually a beloved uh, comic book. One of the better st- One of the better things that they did with Batman in the '80s, which was full of incredible uh, work. But um, yeah, what do you guys think? Have you read it? I actually haven't read it, and this inspired me
2: to want to pick it oh, up.
1: Oh, it's good. It's Brian Augustine and uh, famous and very talented Mike McNola on art.
2: Yeah actually I read this for uh, research for a CBR article I was writing a couple months ago Um, I thought it was really cool you know I I love Elseworlds stories or like what ifs like I always thought those are a ton of fun if you're like if you're into comics you know like if you're someone who knows characters well enough to be able to pick up like what they're trying to do with like the random kind of like oh we're just gonna put you in this weird situation and just go with it for one issue you know um, or however many, depending on, but, um, yeah, it's like, I, I think this is such a cool thing. I, I was a big fan of, um, when Marvel did this a couple of years ago with their Marvel Noir series as well, um, which was obviously way later than this, but, um, I, yeah, I think this is just such a fun aesthetic and like, it's not like something that's never been done before, but I always think it's really interesting when we get superhero stories that are set in like a pre real world 1930s. Because, like, that's when Superman was created. I feel like that's when most superhero fiction happens is either, like, is in that era, you know? It's, like, from the golden age, as it were, of America to the modern day. So it's always cool to think of, like, oh, yeah, like, Batman in in London in, what did you say, 18, what is it?
1: 1898.
2: 1889. Yeah. So it's like that's really cool. Like that's so different that like that'll be a fun thing to see, and I'm sure it'll be really interesting to see in an animated fashion as well. You know?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. The DC animated films haven't really done anything for me for a while. I think they've, uh, granted, I haven't seen one since Flashpoint, but that really lost me. Um, I think before that they were all like they were hitting nonstop home runs for the most part, like with with New Frontier, Wonder Woman. Uh, the Green Lantern ones, uh, the Batman Gotham Knight um, uh, Year One, uh, the Dark Knight Returns two-parter. Like, those were all super stellar. But like, I don't know, the animation started declining and it felt like they got... like I, I saw part of the uh, Suicide Squad one and the Batman and Robin ones and I was like, man, these aren't great.
2: I don't know. I liked Flashpoint. And
1: Aquaman. That was another one that was like not great.
2: Flashpoint's the last one I saw too, though I think, and I thought that was solid. I mean, it's very. I like Flashpoint a lot. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's
0: pretty know similar to the material. I I think a lot of a lot of the complaints, and and by the way, these are actually extremely popular. Um, but a lot of the complaints from people who aren't into what they've been doing recently, people like Phil, they're complaining because they they do a lot of Batman. A lot of them are Batman now. It's almost exclusively Batman. Yeah, and uh, I. I definitely have fallen off with these, and part of it is because of that. I'm a huge Batman fan, but I don't need this much Batman out of my DC animated uh, films. A few weeks ago, we said that uh, there was a chance Lucy Liu might be interacting with uh, Luke Cage Season 2 in some capacity, and we finally have confirmation that she will be directing the Season 2 premiere. Kind of a big uh, announced deal. By, yeah. Announced by Netflix and Marvel Television, uh, Lucy Liu, who's done you know just a ton of films, um, starred as starred in Kill Bill as Oren Ishi, uh, and in Char- Charlie's Angels. Um, she's she's helmed some films as director, uh, some short films, a couple of um, television things. She did she did uh, episodes of Elementary and Graceland, and now she's doing Luke Cage. Uh, and this is this is a quote. Um, directly from the executive producer and showrunner of Luke Cage, Chio Hodari Coker, said this about uh, Lucy Liu. She brings the same buoyant intensity, depth humor, and singular focus to her directing that she has always brought to her acting, not to mention the fact that the former Oren Ishii certainly knows her way around an action sequence. So I think this is really cool, uh, really exciting. What do you guys think
2: yeah I mean this is great I like I just kind of want to echo the sent- sentiments we made originally where it's like I mean she definitely has the chops and it's cool to see women getting like high like not high quality but like high um high profile yeah high profile directing jobs like this you know like she's put in her chops and I'm excited to see what she can do you know it's like that like the pilot is always like the big episode you know like that's the one where if you're gonna get a name that's where you get a name so good for her it's great
3: it be good. I think it will be good.
2: Yeah, I have confidence. Honestly, I don't yeah. I don't see why it wouldn't be. The cast is good. She's got experience. Yeah.
0: The uh, quality of the directing wasn't ever a problem for me, in particular with Luke Cage. In fact, I thought they did a lot of cool things with the show, and I'm sure Lucy Liu will continue that trend. For me, it was always the writing, so... As long as they improve that, I have no—I have no doubts so that this this uh, series will will be good. Um. So, we now know who will be playing Squirrel Girl. Uh, of all the casting questions that have existed regarding superhero media over the last uh, few months, I think. Who will play Squirrel Girl has one of the has been one of the bigger questions on the minds of Squirrel Girl fanatics for whatever reason they exist. Uh, and now <laughs> we know that uh, on the New Warriors series on Freeform, Melena Vaintrub. Hopefully, I got that right. This Kill, is part of the we'll show where Sean. Yeah,
3: that's good. Yep.
2: <laughs> Damn it. Okay.
0: Cool. I was gonna make the um, joke,
2: but you said it right. That's right, Pete. We'll save
0: that for you on the video game. <laughs>
2: no. Uh,
0: she will be playing Squirrel Girl. Um, and, uh, baby daddy graduate Derek Theller will play Mr. Immortal. Um, baby daddy was a show on freeform, and, uh, so he's gonna stay in the family and, uh, he'll be playing Mr. Immortal. So, I mean, you know, I think we kind of knew that she was in the running for a while the last time we talked about this she was one of the names that we brought up was she okay
3: no yeah i'm I, pretty sure yeah her i totally and, and, forgot
2: that too if that was the case i you I, might be right but for, for me too.
3: like for me her her like i i love this actress she's incredible i've loved her since uh oh no she's the 18 t girl i was thinking of the that old verizon girl who was uh had the nice pink dress and then got real hard edged oh, you know who talking
1: your phone girls mixed up now
3: what
2: can I, I mean, say? to be f- to be fair, like three or four of the biggest cell phone providers have a cute woman as their character, so it's like,
0: <laughs> wait, wait, Kale, are you
3: saying? that she's the woman from those commercials? She's not she's not the one from the Verizon commercials. Just she's the AT&T. AT&T. Yeah. Yeah, she Yeah. Yeah,
2: 100%. Oh, you know, like, that's so cool. Yeah, like the short cute girl who's always yeah. just like, yeah, you can oh, switch yeah. to AT&T. Like, yeah, this oh, is I her. I remember. <laughs> yeah, this is her.
3: <laughs> she uh oh, no, that's and crazy. she's got she's got a lot of really killing killer uh acting chops and she um uh she was on a U- uh, a Yahoo uh series. I think it was called Spaced. Uh I think I want to say she played like the devil or something and just fucking into it. Uh but uh So
2: previous roles include the AT and T girl and, and the devil. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, well, uh but yeah, no, I um I didn't uh I didn't consider her at all. Like it just never came into my head. You know, for me it was between like Anna Kendrick and um shannon purser of uh stranger things and uh riverdale i think i think anna
1: kendrick was priced out
3: well yeah anna kendrick wanted to do it if they were gonna do a movie they yeah, were never,
2: gonna, yeah, they no, were never she, gonna get her for some yeah, fucking she was gonna Fox do family it. show
3: yeah uh but now uh it's really interesting the uh the day literally the day after this news came out shannon purser of stranger of stranger things and riverdale uh got an emmy nomination Oh wow. So, not that I not that I'm disparaging, you know, this pick <laughs> of uh <laughs> Malena at all, but Marvel might have uh missed a missed a real good opportunity.
2: Well, you don't know. I mean, she might have been busy too, you know, like she is on Riverdale and they're doing 22 episodes this season, she, like
3: She she really wanted it. <laughs> so, I, I you know, I don't know.
0: The Yahoo show was called uh, Other Space,
3: by the way. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't too far off other space.
0: But yeah, um, for those of you guys that are big fans of Squirrel Girl, you now have your your live action Squirrel Girl. I might tune into this. I don't know. It's a live action comedy, scripted comedy.
2: I'm going to give it a
3: shot. Uh, honestly, honestly, her name is enough for me to give it a shot.
2: I'm, I mean, I think she's a great. I, pick. I like her a lot. Like she's super cute. Like I feel like she definitely has like the right like look. You know. Um, I I don't know. I think this could this show could surprise us. I really do.
1: I probably won't watch it.
2: <laughs> Phil, Phil doesn't like TV or superheroes though.
1: You know what? That's true
3: though. That's fair. Wait,
2: that's that's wait, I'm sorry, only half of that's correct. Yeah
3: <laughs> I don't want to. Put aside the K fade for a sec. I don't I don't even like superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Marco? <laughs> yeah, right. D twenty three Expo
0: is uh in full swing, and as a part of that We've learned from Disney and Marvel um, that uh, Marvel's Spider-Man, the new animated series that's coming to Disney XD, um, is going to be coming out on August 19th. And it's getting an hour-long special. What's weird to me is that it premieres at 7 in the morning. Uh, when I was a kid looking forward to Fox Kids and whatever the, the WB thing was called, I wasn't up at 7 a.m. And then it's on the Disney XD app at 12.01 a.m. Uh, so all the all you kids that are up at twelve AM and the twelve AM, you guys can check what? this out on the app that's honestly
2: probably a better time than seven.
1: <laughs> what? For
2: for guys, the for the target audience
0: of this show, they better not be up at twelve in the morning. I was. I don't what know.
1: What the hell? That's probably for the adults, the teen and twenty year olds yeah. are gonna be watching it.
0: Well 20 uh, at any rate yeah, on
3: on the Disney XD app you have to have your cable provider. Nobody's got that. I don't know, man. Uh like what is this whole announcement is bonkers to me. Like one, we just had like we just we just had a Spider Man show. Your mileage on it may vary, but we just had it and it was doing really well and they're gonna cancel it because a new movie came out. Yeah, Synergy Baby and put this, it at seven a.m. Was 7 that why
2: though? Because like I, I feel like there was another reason why they canceled it. I, I, because I remember we reported on it, and I feel
3: like I mean, other than Drake Bell being a douchebag, I don't, you know, maybe
0: I don't remember. I think you might, I think you might be right that there was some other reason. But to be honest, this has been their M.O. They've, they've had shows that were doing fine, and then canceled them and brought back. Basically the same show, but with a different art style and a different cast. And they've done it like every few years. I remember they did it with the Avengers.
3: Um, See, It was spectacular. See, those those were
2: different though, because that was – those were an issue of – those shows were casualties of the Disney acquisition. Because Sony was producing Spectacular Spider-Man and like they wanted to keep it going. But it was like just a matter of like it doesn't work for rights reasons. And then with Mighty Avengers or Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which was the Avengers show that they had on that was good, um, that they ended up canceling in favor of whatever the show that replaced it was. Um, That was a similar thing where they actually worked out a deal with the animation studio and produced the second final season because it had such a great uh, fan, you know, community or whatever. But they just couldn't keep them going because they didn't own the studios that were making them and, you know. I'm sure Disney doesn't want to buy Sony's animation department just so they can keep making Spectacular Spider-Man, you know what I mean?
1: Well, Disney keeps canceling their cartoons in line with films. Like, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, The Avengers, was canceled when Ultron came out to make a more cinematic equivalent of The Avengers cartoon. No, but
2: again, like, that's the thing I just said, and that's not why they canceled it. It was a rights issue. Really? Yeah, positive.
0: Okay. Even then, though, when you go back to the '90s with uh, their Spider-Man and X-Men offerings, those shows had like if if you were, if you watch the X-Men show, there's a clear point where you can realize where you realize that like the show shifted drastically, and they'd run out of money, yeah. and there were all those kind of problems. The Spider-Man show suffers from the exact same issue. Towards the end, it started to get really weird, and I feel like they're they're they're. Animated shows have always been leagues behind what DC has offered, not only in terms of quality, but it's like, what are they not putting enough money behind these things? And then, like weird, weird choices. Like, why would you put this show on at seven a.m. if you wanted to succeed? Why? What? What, the, what is that?
2: Yeah. See, and it's weird too because again, the shit with the X Men show and the Spider Man show, like those were not that was not Marvel. You know, it wasn't like Marvel's like, oh, we're gonna cut the budget. It was like, no, the publishing, you know, arm of the television station that was putting that was like the show costs too much money, we can cut it, we don't need it. You know, we're going to cut the budget. And like this is now there is no excuse though cuz Disney owns Marvel, Disney owns the channel it's going on. This is 100% in house. So like there's no fucking excuse for this.
0: Yeah. Uh and then in addition, we also learned that uh the Guardians of the Galaxy series, which is on its third season now, will be called yeah, still money.
1: going? Yep. There's a Guardians of the Galaxy series. Yep.
0: It, yeah. It, It will be called Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which is also the name of the Disneyland ride, for those of you who uh, know about that. And um, Synergy. Yeah, more synergy. Um, So there's that. And at least it's retaining its cast. And then finally, um, Lego and Marvel announced a 22 minute animated special titled Lego Marvel Superheroes Guardians of the Galaxy The Thanos Threat, which is the longest title ever. (laughs) Uh, for a platform which will be announced at a later date. So those are all the announcements that came from their animated um, division. And, I mean, they announced the the cast of the Spider-Man show. I don't know if you guys even really care to talk about that. I mean... I I do. Uh, There's
2: some interesting names. Patton
3: Oswalt as Uncle Ben. So weird. I just, like... I, and I said this to you guys last night in our in our group chat. Why not make him Doc Ock? Like he would be the perfect yeah. Doc Ock. Yeah, I would love him as a villain. Like I mean, like and and even like reminiscent of like Tom Kenny as Doc Ock in uh, in Ultimate Spider Man. That would work really well. But uncle or, or like uncle he could ben? be like
2: he could be he could be like Mysterio. Even. Sure, like I feel like there's a lot of like really crazy like more voicey voices he could pull off but i mean whatever like
3: but uncle ben that's weird one thing one thing i do want to point out though is that uh miles is also in this show alongside peter
1: there you go pete i know you like a lot of spider-man in one universe
3: yeah and the all of the i saw a trailer i don't know i i think that we posted the trailer i think i feel like i should know because i think i did it but uh it vanished from twitter for some reason last night while i was posting it and most of what most of the trailer is you know peter in his makeshift Super, spider-man i almost said makeshift superman costume his makeshift if only. spider-man costume so like where is this gonna how is this whole thing gonna take place like this is crazy who even knows, man? Who knows if Miles will become,
0: uh, you know, Spider-Man or not? Who I mean, Anya Corazon is on this show, and she's, like, how they're even going to make that make sense is weird. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's weird, but I'm glad that they're at least trying for diversity. Without Miles on this show, there is no black character. Without Anya, there's no Spanish character, so that's all good, and, you know, whatever. A lot of people are really big fans of Miles, and People want to see him now. That's just the reality, and so yeah. including him on the show is a smart move. It'll get people to watch. That's what matters.
3: Uh, but why not make a champion
0: show? I don't know. The like, champions don't have the the cachet that
2: Spider Man does. You put Spider Man on it.
3: it's he's already on it. Miss Marvel's a a name now. You got the Hulk.
2: It's just so hard for me because like I feel like these shows are like they're aimed at kids, right? So like. If you're gonna aim it at kids, kids know that Peter's Parker, Spider Man. They probably don't even know who Miles Morales is. So like, you're putting him in in there is like, what? You think that there are a lot of kids that like? I don't know how many kids read comics. But, but, you know, Miles Morales
0: is a huge character now. Yeah, and he's, been and he was on, an he's been on yeah. Ultimate Spider. He's been on
3: Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah, where he was. Yeah, that's uh, true. He was on that show. He was uh, and Donald Glover. Sure, yeah.
1: yeah, and I think he was in like the Legos. Yeah, superheroes game. Yeah. He's he's everywhere.
2: Yeah, you're right, but I I don't know. It's just like I feel like there are so many kids that their main exposure to Spider-Man is going to be Homecoming. I mean, and you like- have you have a
0: vendetta against Miles, and we know that, but to 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 argue. To argue, I like don't though. you do. To argue that Miles is not okay. a character yeah. that people know about,
2: that's ridiculous. Also, I, said, I, guess, I didn't say people. I said kids. kids absolutely yeah, know an, who he is though. But
1: but that's an easy thing that like they watch the movie, then they watch the cartoon, and it's like oh, well that's another Spider Man.
0: And but on top of that, like the most the like the other Spider Man show had Miles on it. Like,
2: yeah, in one episode.
0: But he was there. If you're oh, a kid, yeah, okay. if you're a I kid and you watch. It, yeah, like, if you're a kid and, it, like, because this is directed at kids who watch Disney XD, so if you're a kid and you watch Disney XD, then you know because you watch. And if you, if you like, play the games,
2: you see Miles there. Like, he's everywhere. I don't think
1: it's a hard sell either. I think you watch it and you're like, oh, there's two Spider-Men. All right.
2: Yeah, I just don't think that makes sense. Like, honestly, I think they should just give Miles his own show. Like, that's what I was trying to get at before you told me I had a vendetta against Miles. But every, I mean, every time like, you bring up Miles, you, you know... It's because I don't like the way that they're using him. Like I, like yeah, I was upset when they killed Ultimate Peter Parker and replaced him with Miles Morales, but I didn't have a problem with that. It's them trying to have their cake and eat it too, and be like, it's teenage Peter and teenage Miles. It's like that's fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, but it's yeah. a show. Yeah, I like I
0: don't, that. I don't get the, I don't see the problem. It's a show. They're both going to exist. We don't, we have no idea whether Miles is even going to become Spider Man. We just know that he's on the that's
3: show. That's the thing. That's the problem. We don't know, and he should. Why? And even if he does, who cares? Well, then what's the point? If The you're not point gonna, is... If you're not going to make him Spider-Man like you already have, then
0: why bother? Because this is a show for kids... Miles is a black character, a black and Hispanic character that people are familiar with. Who's who can't a face be Spider Man? Who can be Spider Man? I'm not saying yeah. he can't be. He easily could. It doesn't. It's not going to affect anything if if there are two Spider Men on the show. They've done it before. That's that's the world we live in. There are two Spider Men, and if they're I, the same age, so far. who cares? What do you mean?
3: We haven't. All we know is that Miles Morales and Anya Corazon are on the show we don't know that they're spider-man and um, uh, um is she yeah. spider-girl no no she's, she's uh, uh, um no
1: he'll probably be um, spider-man in the cartoon like it's a no-brainer
3: yeah oh marco would have been so proud make. about that that rolled right off my tongue he would have been so proud
1: <laughs> we've just barely passed kale mispronouncing a name on the show we just slid right by it because it didn't happen
2: But yeah it's like i don't know it 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 ultimately probably doesn't matter. It's just like it just seems weird.
1: It's a super you know? it's a super inoffensive thing to raise arms about because yeah. like this kids' cartoon's gonna have two Spider Men and one
3: like kids like kids but, won't uh, be upset. It's a, it, like it's not. I didn't say kids would be. You're like twisting like yeah. Like but that's, it's not. It's not. It's that we don't know that there are gonna be two Spider Man and they're like, why not just give Miles his own show? It's not. It's not that I'm upset that they're gonna coexist, but like. I, and I don't even know why I'm mad about this now, but, like, you're screwing up the narrative. And I don't, I don't even <laughs> give a shit about the narrative.
1: Come
0: show? on, man. Come on. That's ridiculous. On this show, he goes to school at Horizon. The The person who, who runs Horizon is on the show. That character doesn't even appear in the comics until Spider-Man's 30. Um somehow uncle ben is on the show like that's that's a ridiculous point like who cares anya's the same age as peter but neither of you were saying anything about that it's no, that's, obvious it's in there like that's, go, why? i mean, i'm Harry Osborn goes to the same school as as Peter. They didn't go to the same high school together. Who's Joe, the coffee shop owner? I don't remember him from the comics. I mean, that's comics. a whole different like, set the, of like, the, like, the, like he's Mephisto, Sean. We already <laughs> yeah. covered that. I this just, is crazy. I, yeah, this is a kids' cartoon. I, just, I really think you guys are are overreacting. <laughs> For sure,
2: I think I think you're overreacting to the criticism yeah. that I had. Because I don't because it's it's something
0: because it's something that's like why why be critical
1: of that like. And you guys are probably not going to watch
0: and it. No,
3: hold on. We were critical about a lot of things before we brought that up. And then you guys blew yeah. up on the Miles Morales thing. Like Because, because this, actually, this, this whole show has so a lot of problems way before Miles Morales ever and comes we, up.
0: we agreed on all those problems because if we want the show to be successful, which I would love for it to be successful, putting it on at 7 a.m. is absolutely not a good idea. But whether or not the sh- like miles morales presence on the show is more likely to make it successful than not i don't even see how you could remotely argue against see, that the
1: I, only things that are all. preventing the show from being successful are logistical things like putting it on at 7 a.m like these are things that are not have nothing to do with the show's quality or its perception with kids or audiences like the logistical things will stand in the show's way of being successful but having miles morales in the show i think sean's right like it would not. I make, mean, again, that's
2: not a point that either of us are making. So, okay, sure, yes.
1: All I know is I'm upset about a children's cartoon show.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what comics fans are—people are who are upset about children's media. So, that's what this whole podcast is about. So,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Well, no, the podcast is about Phil and I not being upset about children's media because we're the positive ones in on the
1: show. Damn straight, we are. <laughs> now we're at the point where Kale and Pete are ready to call it a day. Sean's
2: past that point. Yeah, well, because it's like you guys are like fucking arguing with me about a thing that I wasn't even trying to say. Like it's just like straight up. I need
3: to. I need to go get. I need to go get more grumpy coffee because I've <laughs> I've about had enough.
2: Oh boy.
0: So, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming has obviously been a massive success, and its first place at the box office, which should surprise nobody. Um, but uh now we know that it earned worldwide a total of two hundred and seventy two hundred and fifty seven excuse me million dollars. Um so that's I mean that's a huge success. Uh it's but it's the second most successful Spider Man film of all time. And I want you guys to guess which Spider Man film made more money than this film today. Probably
3: Spider Man three. Spider-Man 3. Uh, that's that's my guess. Yeah, that is three. absolutely correct. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Makes sense. Nobody knew that movie it, was going to suck going into it, you know? And back, it, back it, then, yeah,
1: it, people didn't react. To, like, Rotten Tomatoes didn't exist. Word of mouth didn't have as much of an effect yet as, like, it does with movies today.
0: I also think that, um, I think that we had, like, I know I had a huge negative reaction to that movie. I don't know if... Like, in the theater. Yeah. I don't know if... And this is pure speculation. I don't know if casual audiences were as mad in the moment necessarily. I mean, I know I
2: wasn't. I know I saw the movie twice in theaters, and it wasn't until the second time I saw it where I was like, "This movie fucking sucks." Like, I remember I sat through it the first time, and I was like, "Yeah, that was okay." Like, it was the worst of the three, but it was fine. The way you and framed it, was- it
1: sounds so funny. I only saw it in the theaters twice,
2: because <laughs> that in <laughs> I, itself I makes
1: you sound it- like a super fan. <laughs>
0: I saw it three times, actually, and I i di- I liked it the first time. I didn't like it the second time as much, and then I really didn't like it the third time, but I went three times.
2: Oh, my God. No, I went three times too, Sean. Really? <laughs> I, totally I went and saw so it with my friends, <laughs> then I saw it with my dad, and then I saw it with my girlfriend at the time, and I remember it wasn't until I was sitting there watching it with her, and I was like, this movie sucked. Like, this is not a good movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. They screwed the pooch on that one um but in Force addition that, yeah <laughs> uh and in, in addition to Spider-Man Homecoming being such a massive success uh there was a bit of a, a, a bit in the movie that I think a lot of people probably missed we didn't even talk about it on our review episode uh even though we obviously did catch it um but that's that we got a slight tease of Miles Morales because Uh, Aaron Davis, who was played by Donald Glover, is in the film and mentions having a nephew and not wanting the kind of weapons that the Vulture was peddling to be on the streets. And, of course, if you are a fan of the Ultimate Comics or Miles Morales' Spider-Man, then you know Aaron Davis is his uncle. So...
2: A.K.A. uh, The right? Isn't he moonlighting as Calvis Gambino? Yes.
0: (laughs) I've heard rumors of that. (laughs) Um, And so, of course... Uh, Kevin Feige was asked about this and whether or not we would see Miles uh, in a future MCU film, uh, he had this to say, just like we referenced Dr. Stephen Strange in The Winter Soldier we wanted to give that homage that he's out there in the MCU somewhere if and when we see him, I don't know so I have been thinking about this over the last uh, couple of weeks since the film came out and I actually think I don't remember if I said this on the show or not. I'm pretty sure I didn't because we didn't talk about it. But I actually think that there's a chance that they'll do their three film arc with this character, Peter Parker, and then have Miles take over as Spider-Man if if um, if they can't get the rights to Peter from Sony. I have a question. Like if they can't renew the rights,
1: do, hey, is what's up? Miles' rights with Sony because he's a Spider-Man property?
3: Yeah, oh, wouldn't that's a good they, question. Wouldn't they? The rights would follow the name wouldn't they they? should still have the rights i
2: would think because i'm yeah because i'm pretty sure like that was the whole spiteful marvel thing was we're not going to make more x-men and fantastic four comics because we don't want to give fodder to people who you know like we're basically just creating roadmaps to movies for them so i would think that they would probably own the rights to to miles as well
1: I, i don't know that's my question you make a good point Pete, but i don't know
2: because the thing is right like unless they were like oh Miles is going to take up the mantle but he's going to call himself Spider Boy or something you know like the
0: spider yeah
2: like they still own the rights to Spider-Man and like I don't see how that I don't see how Miles is not Spider-Man you know what I mean yeah like in any stretch of the imagination
1: yeah yeah um if, you, if any listeners know the answer to this thing let us know
2: like if there's like some legal loophole we're not aware of it's it's kind of unfortunate
0: because I really I really want there to be a Spider Man always in the MCU, even if it even if it can't be Peter. Um and the, the prospect of losing him when we've got when he's I mean, he's been one of the best parts about the MCU since Civil War. To lose him would really suck. So
1: Send him back to Sony.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I know I have an anti Miles Morales agenda, but <laughs> yes, yeah, you do. I would I would be upset about this because like I like I don't have a problem with Miles, but I don't like Miles as much as Peter and like I'm definitely like sick of the like mass culture's desire to erase him from history and replace Pete
1: him. Peter does have a vendetta. Listen to it. That is
0: how can you say what you just said and then say you don't have a You just said that there is a mass culture movement to oh, remove, yeah. to replace Peter Parker
3: with Miles. That Man, is that's some that's that's some Alex Jones shit right there.
2: Thank you, Kale. Thanks. This is awesome.
1: This is <laughs> amazing.
2: <Holy shit. laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Do you guys do you guys not remember the giant fucking comics explosion of just like oh they're making a new Spider-Man movie? It should be about Miles. Fuck Peter. Because it was literally yeah. all over the internet. Yeah, but of it's, course. I, right. like, so, like, I'm against that. Sorry.
3: I don't know. For For me, it was... Well, Spider-Man... You know, Peter Parker's had five films already. And two of, them, of them have been... Well, three of them bombs. them bombs. Three have been bad? I Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, well, Kale's point stands. Spider-Man
3: two, 3 yeah. and Amazing Spider-Man 2 yeah. were, like, okay, critically, okay. just Shit. all around bad. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh. It's. I mean, like for, for me, it's never been. Let's just erase Peter Parker altogether. It's just like, okay, well, I mean, Peter's had his turn. Let's give someone else a push on the swing.
2: Well, I mean, like, I, like there are definitely people I've seen who've made that case, but I've seen just as many people being like, we don't need another fucking white superhero. Like Peter Parker is old. We don't need him anymore. Like Miles is better, and it's like I disagree. Like, lot-
0: awesome. <laughs> I I totally disagree with that. I, I don't think that there's any reason to replace Miles with Peter um, as Spider Man in the films. Um, but I understand where that's coming from because people are are angry uh, that you know that we we don't get opportunities to have more diversity. You guys were on the you guys thought that making Doctor Strange uh, an Asian guy would be a good idea um so obviously you don't have problems with them making those kinds of changes so you know
2: but again i would be okay if they had said hey why don't we just make peter parker black like that's not an issue for me like it's the issue i don't don't, like it's like i don't want miles to replace peter like i don't think miles is as good of a character i don't have the emotional connection to him i tried i gave him 25 issues I don't feel anything for him, and there are a lot of people that do, and I don't want to take that away from them at all. But like I don't want to see Peter get replaced with Miles. Like
3: But like when do those when do those people get their move? Don't try it on my Parker.
2: I don't know. I guess like <laughs> that like sorry, but like yeah, like that's how I feel. Like Spider Man is the character I'm precious about, like, and that's how I feel. Like, and if you can laugh at me all you want, but it's how I feel
1: well now i'm gonna say kill peter parker and bring miles morales in <laughs> I,
3: I for me th- it's such a hard thing because like you know we we have argued about the diversity before and like i for and this is just it, for me and like i th- i think it that's one case where where like in the comics it i actually think it worked really well you know uh uh making the 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 black latino character uh, you know the the understudy but he's still spider-man you know
0: yeah i'm 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 having fun with this right now because i can tell that pete's angry but i actually agree with pete if if they if they had done what they did in ultimate in the mainstream comics i would have been furious i would have been absolutely livid the only reason why i didn't care was because i viewed ultimate ultimate comics continuity as totally irrelevant So, I didn't mind. But I would hate to see something like that take place in the proper comics, I've argued against that every single time it's happened in every other instance, so I feel the exact same way in mainstream um, Marvel and I don't really have a need to see a Miles Morales live action Spider-Man film, Peter Parker's Spider-Man, I agree with you Kale when do when do those people get their turn, I don't have the answer to that, if they do make a Miles film, I'll be there for it, I'll support it I'll go watch it if it's good, which it probably would be, but if you ask me what do I want, I want Peter, so I'm there with Pete on that I don't have a strong opinion
2: on this. Like it's just I it's like an intellectually consistent argument that I always make is like I don't think superhero mantle should pass unless it really makes sense. And like, did it make sense for Miles to become Spider Man in Ultimate? Yeah, it did. But, like, I don't think it makes sense for us to have five fucking Spider-Man characters in 616. I don't think it makes sense that there's two Spider-Men. I don't think um, any of those that, things, yeah. like, I think they're dumb. I don't like them. And I, it's not just Spider-Man. Like, yeah, Miles is the one that I take emotionally, personally, because I care about Peter and Spider-Man as a property. But, like, I don't like it when it's happened with any other fucking character either. Again, except for the few examples we've talked about where it does make a lot of sense. Like, I think, you know, uh, Dick taking up the Batman mantle, right? Like, that's natural. That was what he was groomed to do. And, like, that's a natural evolution. Like, some kid that is just totally unrelated to anything that has to do with Spider-Man gets spider powers and becomes Spider-Man. It worked in that one instance, but, like, I'm over it. Like, and I'm over them trying to shove Miles in every piece of Spider-Man media. And, like, that makes me have a vendetta against him. Fine, it does. Time to print a shirt.
1: Pete has a vendetta against Miles. <laughs> just just make it sound better. Just like a
2: picture of me like pushing Miles Morales off his bike or something. Like, <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I just want to make one last point here in defense of myself as a non-Miles Morales hater before we move on, in that yeah okay I see the faces I have a Miles Morales poster on my wall that I have had since Ultimate Spider-Man number one never came or not Ultimate Spider- you know what I'm talking about fucking Ultimate Comics the second rebranding that they did yeah ever since that came up and I still rep it so it's fine He he's earned his place I, I don't have any hate against him I just it's like cool at Marvel <laughs>
3: Let's yeah, let's get there because I I think I think there are things we want to talk about in the Spider-Man debate that yes so, that will will come up.
0: So this is our Spider-Man centric episode, and we are going to talk a lot about Spider-Man from this point forward because you know a lot all of us are are huge fans of the character, and he's got an amazing history with classic villains, classic um, allies. Some of his supporting cast are some of the greatest characters of all time um and that's i think super important for us to talk about so i want to start by i mean we don't need to go into his origin too much everyone already knows what it is but i believe that spider-man's origin story is one of the greatest of all time i I really i truly believe that i can't believe he survived
3: krypton's explosion (laughs) (laughs) that lightning bolt that struck him that was just a man that's a fluke chance that
0: and remember when, when his parents got murdered in an alleyway
1: that was awful <laughs> it was nice that he got a ring out of it though that takes him through
3: space and but to be crafted by gods like that you know you gotta have a that stroke of luck
1: <laughs> it's real fucked up that he's in love with the joker like he is so.
3: truly daddy's little monster
2: i'm done shut up
3: (laughs) (laughs) there's a booster gold joke in here somewhere but i'm not smart enough to make it he did come back from the future
0: so about spider-man's actual origin very famous, Pete. I think you had something you wanted to
2: say. I had to. I was going to say I had to refrain from interrupting you because when you were like, I don't think we have to talk about its origin too much. I think everyone knows it. I was like, Well, apparently not all the people that had complaints about Spider-Man: Homecoming. But uh, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm with you. I think it's like a the the actual like bite and everything is a very very comic booky origin, and that's you know that is what it is. But I think the actual like Uncle Ben. Um, moment is, yeah, I would agree. That's one of the best, um, definitely the best origins in comic book history.
0: Yeah, because it's rooted in something I think that's very real, where it's like, you know, you're a teenager, you've kind of lost your way, and, you know, I mean, mean, and and lost his way, quote unquote, you know, as far as that goes for Peter, like, he was still a great kid and everything like that. But he was just
2: being shitty, you know, in that one moment, and...
0: Yeah, but I think getting that kind of guidance... You know, like that saved his life in a lot of ways. And I think all of us at some point or another either have had that or wish we could have had that. And so it resonates with you really no matter what age you are because it, you always want an Uncle Ben character to be around and, and give you that kind of guidance or an Aunt May for that matter. And so they're super important and, and that origin is not the same without Uncle Ben. And and by the way, just as far as Homecoming goes, I watched that movie assuming that all that stuff happened. so.
2: Yeah, it did. It did. They allude to it. Um, but that being said, I think the thing that really drives it home for me and the reason that I connected with it um, at such a young age, and then also that I, I think that it's something that stuck with me, is that I, I think what's so great about Peter as a character is that, like, he is defined by this tragic moment, right? But he doesn't go inward, you know? Like he uses that sort of drill. A blender. So he doesn't go inward. He uses that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Marco, keep us all in, please. <laughs>
2: I was gonna say fix that up, Marco. It just uh, So what I'm trying to say is that what I think is so great is that instead of Going inward and, and allowing himself to be um, defeated or crushed or, or feel sorry for himself by that tragedy that he rises above it and takes, you know, Uncle Ben's advice to heart and tries to learn from that experience. And that, you know, he, he should, you know, in, in that moment, even though it wasn't his fault, really, right, that he was just being a teenager, he was just being, you know, um, selfish in an immature way because he was immature, but like that mattered you know, and that that action had consequences and that, that he has the ability to do good so that it's his responsibility to, you know, try and just be a good person, you know, to be altruistic for altruism's sake because it's the right thing to do and that if you don't do the right thing, you know, like, that's all it takes, right? Is, um, what's what's that, uh, that old quote that all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing, right?
1: Yeah.
2: And I think that's what defines Spider-Man. And I think so many... Oh, no, go
1: ahead. This is funny because that's how I feel about people that support uh, Miles Morales in the sense that you got to do good for the sake of doing good and support a character that resonates with thousands of people instead of just shitting all over him and having a vendetta for him.
0: (laughs) You're an ass. (laughs) Pete, carry on. You're
2: a really, you're a truly bad person. (laughs) I want you to know that.
3: (laughs) Do you guys have uh, a favorite version of Spider-Man's origin?
2: I I mean, yeah, I don't really think it matters. I think as long as those key elements are there. Uh,
0: For me, I'm I'm always going to side with the original of of pretty much anything. Uh, Even though I'm not a big fan of the Peter character from those initial um, issues uh i still think that that is is like the definitive origin and i think it's especially interesting because it makes you wonder who peter would have been had uncle ben not died and i think that i think that it it carries more weight to say that he was saved by uncle ben's death and by uncle ben being such a good person when you consider that peter was a kid who was very much bullied, very much took it to heart, and very much was, like, in his own world, you know, um, and didn't didn't care. He didn't care about, he didn't have, like, a, a real concern for people outside of his aunt and uncle um, when he even got his powers, which is why he ended up, like, going and trying to make money off of them, and then didn't care about the robber who he could have stopped, and it was only the fact that he saw the consequence directly of his carelessness and his lack of empathy that changed him. But if that had never happened, he could have easily been a supervillain.
1: I think, I think, for as much as Uncle Ben is a, is a perfect archetype for an elder figure, I think the real resonance doesn't specifically stem from Uncle Ben dying for for readers in an audience. It's the fact that we've all been in the position where it's like our own. Irresponsibility or thought, thoughtful like thoughtlessness, has led to bad things happening, and it's that impetus to use those as a moment. As Pete said, he didn't turn inward; he turned outward. It's using it as an impetus for change, and I think your point is salient about maybe he becomes a supervillain if he doesn't have that that life-altering event. Because ultimately, while well, well, the spider bite was a well, that was the impetus for him to get powers. Uncle Ben dying was the impetus for him to become Spider Man. Yeah,
2: yeah, or to be, at least to become yeah, a hero. To be, yeah,
0: to to be a good, <clears throat> altruistic person. Um, it, funny anecdote though. Uh, in the first couple of issues of Spider Man, I don't know if this is a. I, I actually don't think it's a. It's an error in printing. He's referred to as Peter Palmer.
1: Stanley often said that he would use alliterative names to try to remember because he would forget their names, but even then, he would forget characters' names constantly.
2: Yeah, he said it was an error, I think, that it was like the intention was always for his name to be Peter Parker, but that for whatever reason, hilarious. he fucked it up. Hilarious. He worked on like 30 knows, books at a right? time. Right. Yeah, right. And it's also like who knows, because that could easily be like they changed it for some other reason that's less glamorous in Stanley Stanleyized history as he's wont to do at times, you know? Like he's definitely an unreliable narrator about about the history of certain things. Um but, you know. So Glad they made the yeah, change. Yeah,
0: Peter Parker is definitely a, a way better name. Um those early issues. Especially with the villains, like I love all those issues getting getting introduced to those classic characters, like um, Chameleon as uh, the <clears throat> the first villain that he actually faces. Um,
2: Cause that's that's an ASM yeah. one, right? Yeah, because Doc Ock shows up in two three. or three,
1: three I think.
2: Okay, yeah, like
0: those first yeah. issues are who's who, you know. Um, you get Doc Ock, fairly sure of the Lizard as well. Um,
2: yep scorpion's like right after that yeah. i think was early in yeah yeah and uh a lot of it's like the first 20 issues you get like a lot of the big names in his rose absolutely. gallery excluding green goblin yeah. you know um and venom well yeah <laughs> but we all know he shows up much later in the game you know
0: i think phil was just
3: antagonizing you all the all the usual. best villains do
2: Oh yeah, no, I know. I'm just I'm just I've adopted an attitude for the rest of this this episode that I'm just gonna ignore Phil and I'm just gonna talk about Spider Man. (laughs) But we're talking
1: about Miles Miles for the rest of the
2: episode. No, we're talking about Spider Man, Peter Parker. Yeah. Right, Peter Parker. Anyway. (laughs) Uh
0: so so yeah, I really I really enjoy those first few issues because it's like you're you're learning about Peter because he he changes a lot from issue one to you know whatever, um, just because he's he's an absolute jerk. Uh, so he changes a lot over those first few issues. In Amazing Spider-Man one, he actually has an interaction with the Fantastic Four where he's a total jerk to them, like an absolute douche. He tries to get a job with them. They tell him you know we don't pay, and he just he fights them. He tells them he's gonna go out and become a bigger a bigger hero than all of them. Like he's a complete. Total jerk, but obviously he does change and become the character that we all know and love, so while we're watching his growth, we're also being introduced to all these classic villains, and some of those stories, I mean, you know, obviously they have the, they show their age, you know, and you go back and read them now, and, you know, they're old stories, but I I still enjoy them to this day.
2: Dude, I have to say, like when we were, I was going back and, like I said, um, in preparation for this, uh, I I went back and read a lot of the like really old stuff that I hadn't read in you know like over a decade, and I was surprised how well some of those Lee stories held up. Like the really early ones are rough, but like some of the stuff near the end of his run was like, like, um, like the death of Captain Stacy. I was like, you know, this is like this is solid. Like, yeah.
1: Um, for me, those old. Spider-Man stories whether it's uh lee and um ramita or lee and uh uh the guy who put himself to seclusion for like 30 years what's his name
2: the guy who came right after ramita he's the one no, who before did. ramita oh you mean Ditko?
1: thank you <laughs> um steve Ditko. uh that's like in my head what i've always pictured peter parker as mopey whiny can be a jerk i not that's not those aren't epithets at all. This is like when I picture Peter Parker, that's who I picture. And so like there's that famous Spider Man and uh Ramita story, Spider Man No More I think, where he gives in to like the media pressure of all the bad press and hangs up the costume. Like but like that's a huge echoing of like the Great Power Great Responsibility story as he like gets back into becoming Spider Man later in the story. Like that's quintessential Spider Man to me. That's who he is. That one issue that one shot story encapsulates like everything that Peter Parker is
0: that's interesting because so much of my like I very much view that as a a period of time in his life or in terms of his personality and because peter's Peter's the only character in comics. Who's like a mainline hero, like putting aside all the like for example, Dick Grayson as a sidekick who then evolved into a main character peter's Peter is the one main character who's been that way his entire career who has grown who we've grown with, and I very much see a difference in his personality from when he was a youth to becoming an adult to becoming married and all the other stuff, getting a real job, like all of that. Um, and, and the growth that he's gone through as being phases, so I don't, I don't attribute anything to his personality necessarily, other than, like, for, for periods of time, so like, right now, he's a very responsible, caring, loving person who, who, you know, wants to do right in the world, and so his ambitions are bigger than just being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, whereas, when he first came out, he was a petulant kid who was bullied and was just, like, just, like, annoying. Like, you know, a young shithead. Um, and then, you know, and then some of the stuff that you mentioned comes into play. Like, he very much changes personality-wise. Whereas, like, someone like Batman, not so much, you know? Or Captain America, not really at all. You know, like, there are very, like, core things about those characters that are st- static, or, or change very, very minorly, you know, at different points just to tell a story. Whereas Peter has grown, you know?
1: It's funny you say that because I think Spider-Man has benefited the most from having, like, a 50-year continuity of stories. Whereas when i when I like, for comics, I uh, always think of, like, a static character traits of these characters. And so for Peter, that's what I, you know, like you mentioned Batman and Captain America. You know, these qualities of those characters you describe when you talk about them. It's the same thing for Spider-Man for me, but what you said makes a lot of sense about this kind of 50-year linear character progression uh, that is, you know, real life more or less because people evolve and change over time. So that's interesting.
2: Well, and I think it's also important that because of that history, right, and these changes we see him go through are like they're natural because we see them happen and we understand why they happen because they're informed by his actions as... Peter and as Spider-Man you know like he makes these decisions based on his life and that's the thing is like I think that's why I think that's why he resonates with me and why he resonates with so many other people is that like to your point Phil right like he does have a real life you know like Batman is not relatable at all you know he's a billionaire who lives a fantasy life you know and like there are sure aspects of Peter's life that are extraordinary, but he's also a normal person, you know, oh boy. And,
1: the vendetta against Batman
2: now. Well, no, it's not. Oh, come on. I can't say fucking anything on this show. I like Batman. I gotta go show you my Batman stuff. Now
1: <laughs> you're on trial, bitch.
2: Anyway, you know, and, and, uh, I just, I think that that is what, is so interesting about him is, right, like, the whole, like, not my Spider-Man is, like, you can say that pretty easily depending on when you read Spider-Man because he was a different person at so many times in the book, you know? Like, you said, like, in high school, he is this shitty, petulant kid. In college, we see him struggling to really become a man, you know, and not be a kid and, you know, and balance his life between being Spider-Man and being an adult, you know, or being a real person, being Peter Parker. And... To your point, Sean, where he is now, that's not really a problem for him anymore. Like that's not really what he's focused on. He's not. How do I juggle this and that? It's like I kind of figured it out. You know, like he's an adult. He's got his shit together a little bit more.
3: For for me, that's what makes stuff like uh, uh, one more day and and brand new day and and um stuff like the the upcoming generations thing where supposedly we're gonna see like uh the fall of uh peter parker or whatever so frustrating is that they always build up to like a logical thing like for a while you know he he was a a teacher at you know a high school i was like that's great that's perfect but then all of a sudden he vanishes and he goes to fight with the avengers and eh, it kind of falls off the wagon there and then he makes it deal with Mephisto, and he's married to Mary Jane. But like, you know, he doesn't want to sacrifice Aunt May, and that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and then, and then that's re- the turning point for me. And then, and then it just resets. You know, he's a bachelor who's super irresponsible, and he lives with Aunt May again. But that doesn't like that 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 jives with the character because it's all happened before. But like, he wasn't that you it frustrates me when when characters who are allowed to grow are set back and then they're not allowed to grow i think
0: that that's <clears throat> that's just the nature of comics kind of thing i yeah and that's comics i think it i think it hurts worse when it's peter because he is that he he is that character who we've gotten to grow with and then when you see him slide back to times that he's well beyond it's like, ah, come on. Um, It's hard for me. Like, I don't really criticize that too harshly because, you know, we all read comics and we all get it. Like, he was married for almost 20 years. Keeping a character stagnant in any, in any like, one status quo for that long is going to be tough. But, you know, there were ulterior motives there. Wouldn't and- it
1: have been more interesting if they got a divorce? Would have been... Mm. Like, I know fans would have hated that because, like, oh, they're my... my I ship those two. They're, you know, the, I put their marriage on a pedestal. But to reflect this, like, very real character that's supposed to, like, reflect, like, real-life humans, wouldn't it have been more interesting if, like, Spider-Man and Mary Jane got a divorce instead of having some bullshit magic?
2: I mean, I think what would have been more interesting, which is, like, okay, like, just real quick... Sorry, take take out your notes, Joe Casseta, Right, This is what you do in a sitcom when a marriage has reached its natural point. You have them have a kid. They've been together for all this time. Aunt May dies. Have May Parker, who we know as a character, be born... And then have Peter go through, like, oh, my God, how do I fucking juggle being a dad with being a superhero? That's interesting. That hasn't been covered a lot. And, like, that is something that, like, even when there are superheroes that have children, there's such back – like, it's not usually – like, the Fantastic Four did a great job of that a little bit. But it's not a thing we've explored a lot, like fatherhood or parenthood especially like with capes you know and like saga does a great job of that i think that would have been a great next step for peter parker and mary jane and then that gives you a whole new thing of things to do because you can have may grow up and then he's got to deal with his kid being a teenager and all that shit and yet ages the character but spider-man's not a fucking kid anymore and you making him a 30 year old guy who lives with his aunt and like that's not de-aging him that's making him a fucking loser
1: it's it's interesting you say that because I feel like a lot of editors and writers feel like oh marriage or having kids is death for a character. Yeah, so if you're many a bad people writer, somebody. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just that so many
3: people have that attitude.
2: Because, like, you know who did a great job of that? A little book that I love called *Invincible*, which is that's what happens. Well, and
3: and Superman's doing great right now too. Like, you know, with yeah. uh, with John Kent and, and people are well, into it. Eh.
0: I think I think it's 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 really it's really tough because at the end of the day, he is a comic book character who's gonna hopefully exist past like our lifetime, and it's very difficult to say. Well, we're gonna like at w- when does his progression end? Because he can't die, right? Like you can't. Well, just- it,
1: it, it ends now because he's gonna be taken over by Miles. Miles will take the mantle, and Peter will die, and that's the logical end. <sighs>
3: You can't. I mean, it, that's already happened like two or three times. So, right. yeah. I mean, probably.
0: You,
3: you can't age him to the point of
0: inactivity or death. You can't replace him like finally with anyone. So, it's really kind of a struggle to maintain what it is that fans want to see, which is the progression, but then also make him relatable to people who don't know about that progression. And so, I very much sympathize with Marvel. On that front, I think the way they handled it was awful, but um it's gotten us to a place where I think Peter's in a great place, and he's still growing and still that that he's still that character that I can say, "Well, wow, like I've seen this whole progression, and it still makes sense to me, even though they did strip him of his marriage, and I think it it does do something to keep him fresh for audiences that aren't us and didn't grow up with him and are reading Spider-Man stories now, and and these kinds of stories might resonate with them or, may, or be easier or more palatable for them rather than stories where he's a parent or whatever because that's so foreign.
2: And, like, you're right, and I know I always preach that that is what comics companies need to do and that continuity doesn't, you know, shouldn't be this big deal or whatever, but, like, to Phil's point is, like, you know, we 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 said like that's comics. That's but that wasn't Spider Man for so long, and that was what was so good about Spider Man comics was that there was a natural progression from where Amazing Spider Man one started to where it was, you know, until two thousand five. Um, and like, it sucks because I I agree with Kale. Like, it feels like it was such a step back for the character, and I don't think that they've put him in a place where they're really. I mean, like, granted, I don't read the books anymore, so I can't really speak to it. But it is like it's so hard because I I do keep up with what's happened to in them every once in a while because I want to check in and be like, can this be my jumping back end point? Like I want to read Amazing Spider-Man. I miss reading Spider-Man, but like I don't know, dude, it's just I don't know. I just feel like they they backed him into such a weird corner.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about that. A little later i do want to talk about um his supporting cast because we talked about uncle ben and aunt may and how they were important to him in those very early years i i said i think he has one of the greatest origins i think he probably has the best supporting cast of any main character uh
2: in in comics definitely definitely phil you who's seem be- to disagree
3: who's better phil i
1: like superman more actually um, that's a big reason why I like his books is that his supporting cast is so it's timeless, you know, uh, it's the first supporting cast. It's, I mean, it's like it got everything right in one shot. And there are things in Spider-Man supporting cast that I think draws from Superman supporting cast, which is a good thing. Cause like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But like, um, as far as supporting cast go, uh, that's, that's my favorite supporting cast.
2: And that's fair. You're a big Superman fan, but I don't know. I think Spider Man improves on a lot of that because I think you're right that Superman did get it right, but like, I feel like you have all those same kinds of characters, except for maybe a Jimmy Olsen represented, um, and then some.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Aunt May and Uncle Ben, well established, um, he's got he's got the antagonist in the Flash from high school, right? And then and that's the thing I think too that makes Spider Man supporting cast so good is that. It's not just the quality of the characters, it's the time period, right? It's the fact that he's a kid, and it's the fact that, like, Flash, we've all had a Flash. We've all had, like, the girlfriend, the next-door girl that we, you know, pined for in Mary Jane. Then the girl that, when you go away to school or, you know, whatever, when you go to college, the girl who catches your eye in Gwen Stacy. Like, all of those things are relatable on top of them just being really good characters in and of themselves, and a lot of other characters, um, main characters don't have that. I really feel like more than anyone, Spider-Man has this, this uh, cast of characters around him that make his world feel lived in and real. They don't just say something about him. They also say something about themselves and his interactions with them are important to the character, you know?
1: You're kind of describing Superman, too, though, like... As a kid, he had Lana Lang that he had a crush on. Pete Ross used to bully him. Uh, Mom, Pa, Kent, or his uncle, Uncle Ben and Aunt May. He went to, he grew up, fell in love with Lois Lane. He's got his J. Jonah Jameson and Perry White. It's, I I don't think it's a lost comparison. So, I
0: I think that on the Superman episode, we'll talk about those people. And then for you the Spider Man. I didn't ask if it was the best. I said I think it's the best. Um so yeah, but we'll 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 tackle those on the Superman episode and we will all gush appropriately. Uh Pete, go ahead. You seem like you have something on your mind.
2: <laughs> uh I mean I always do. <laughs> um no yeah, I mean I, I agree with you. I, I think I think to the point that you made earlier, right? I think beyond the fact that, like, they make the world feel lived in, they make it feel lived in because, like Peter, they grow and change too, you know? Like, we talked about um, in the book club episode, which hasn't come out yet, but keep your eyes uh, peeled for that one, we talked about Mary Jane's growth as a character because of the death of Gwen Stacy, you know, and how that's a defining moment for Peter, but it's also a defining moment for all the other people in his life. And I, I think that, is a thing that is often sometimes lost in superhero stories because I think superheroes are so at the center of them and that all the other characters feel so tied to them and that, like, they really only know each other because they all know this one linchpin character or whatever. But, like, Peter's world is a world of, like, like, everyone has a circle of family and friends where everyone knows each other and they know each other's business and they're there for the holidays and all that stuff. And it's, like, it does feel more grounded I think. And I think um, you know not to bring it back to Superman because I don't want to get us on that that trail but where we do have those two archetypical romances right? Like Peter has a lot more like big romances in his uh, history than most other superheroes too. Where I think most of them are like really truly relevant you know? He has Gwen Stacy who was the love of his life who he was going to marry. You have Mary Jane who was his wife. You have um, you know, we already talked about, well, there's like Liz Allen, but then you've also got like, um, like Betty Britt, the girl he meets at work, you know? And then there's Black Cat, who's the other side of that, but with the superhero thing. And she's like the, you know, exciting bad girl femme fatale kind of figure, you know? Like there there's a lot of, there's a lot of ground explored with all these different characters, you know, but, just from within Peter's world.
1: Sean, doesn't, doesn't Peter even have like even more love interest in Dan Flots run yeah since
2: the, since the Bachelor yeah. days he was like he dated that police woman Carly Cooper yeah, yeah
3: um, uh, he dated uh, Captain Marvel at one point
0: They, yeah they had a little thing um, there's a will they won't they with Mockingbird going on right now so there's like a lot of yeah he's had a lot of relationships and I think that I think you know those the, the, the ones that are more recent you know they're whatever but I they're think they're
2: very forgettable yeah,
1: um, but they're,
0: well, they're. I think they're, they're
1: meant to underscore his. Yeah, like you said, Pete. Bachelor, right?
0: They're not. They're not meant to say a lot about his like character, or whatever. But those early ones, you know, they they're they're meant to reflect what it's like to live as a young person and the stages that you go through. And I think all of his, all of the women that he was associated with in those years of the stories, they very much are that. Pete already eloquently explained that. But I and I think that you know there's merit to the characters that he has been associated with now, but it's very different. He's he's a bachelor. It's it's totally a different thing. But I but I think go ahead.
2: I was gonna say I think what sucks about that is like it's about him being a bachelor, not about how these women like what they mean to him or like how they change him or what their status on the story is. You know, like it is like this rotating cast of disposable people that he's kind of just going through
0: he's barney miller i i I, no, i wouldn't say that um i think i think that they're relevant Uh, like so they're relevant they're important to the stories all that is true but like it's it's not like okay so everybody or most people have had relationships that were not long term not necessarily like Big parts of their lives that they're going to remember. Like there are old people who can't even remember all the people they dated. And <laughs> I don't, I don't think that for Peter to have relationships that aren't necessarily huge is a bad thing. And then Carly Cooper was important to his life, and that ended, you know. But but that was like the big relationship of this, you know, quote unquote big time slash brand new era. Brand yeah, new. They were. Ago.
2: He was with her for a while, right? Like, yeah. Because so. I read, I read the first three trades of that i think before i fell off and like i remember she was around for a while
0: yeah so i i don't know i don't i don't think it's a problem necessarily but there's it's just very different um and so so yeah i I think his supporting cast is, is absolutely stellar and super important uh now this one i think is maybe more maybe there's more of a question here how important is his rogues gallery we talked about how great they are but how important are they to
1: the character? I think the ones that reflect Peter and his growth are the important ones.
3: Well, and I think, and honestly, I think all of them, uh, for the most part, except, I, I, except with the exception of maybe the shocker. Uh,
2: <laughs> Fuck
3: the shocker! <laughs> uh, I, I, I love I, him,
2: I, but he I, sucks.
3: <laughs> I feel, I feel like you could make a case that all of them. Yeah, we get it, Phil. You're gross. Uh, that uh, all of them do to some extent uh yeah. you know i i i never expected a a, a book like craven's last hunt like a, a story uh like that to come from craven's last hunt um and 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 like it it took you guys explaining it to me to to get it but um i think i think you could make a, a case that all of them kind of do reflect him on some level.
2: I think so, and I think one of the reasons I really liked Spectacular Spider-Man, the cartoon was that I think it did a really good job of establishing that was that like they did a really good job of showing like Peter had some involvement in many of his villains um becoming what they are. Uh-oh, you know, the
1: Batman thing.
2: Yeah. And I think that does play in a lot of ways because a lot of times there is some kind of like mirror reflection in them, you know, or like at least they're easily used that way. right? like the way that, that Otto Octavius was used in, in Spider-Man 2 and Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, you know, is like I think a really good – it's like, oh, like he is this kind of like – or like Norman, right, where it's like, oh, he's this like older like – maybe pseudo-father figure in those sense senses. He's this scientist. He's this guy who, you know, doesn't have to be a bad person, but is twisted in this way. And, and like, I think that does play to a lot of the big themes that Spider-Man plays around with. Well, Did you guys and-
1: read Superior Foes of Spider-Man that came out a few years ago? I never got around to it. No. It's supposed to be really good. And it kind of gives his villains, like, a a little bit of a Suicide Squad thing, but not really. Because like the, jo- the the context like, these are the joke villains. Here's them together. I heard nothing but incredible things about that book. Shocker in it. See, He's like really for good. me,
2: e- even his joke villains, I think, are quality. You know, like, I think a lot of, like, um, Phil and I made a, a special piece of Spider-Man content that'll come out sometime in the next two weeks. But uh, Soon. I'll tease that out, yeah. But um, we were talking a lot about his rogues gallery. And I think even a lot of his throwaway villains are just fun. You know, like, and there's nothing wrong with having, like, you know, someone who is just, like, like, yeah, you need to have your big tentpole villains like Goblin and Doc Ock and Venom or whatever. But, like, there's also a lot of you get – they've got a lot of mileage out of super one-note characters like the Rhino, you know, who is literally just a fucking battering ram. But he's got a cool design and it's fun. It's fun to see Peter go up against him because he is so physically imposing and stuff like that, you know, and – I don't know. I, I think they really do get a lot of mileage out of his rogues gallery, and even the people who are less important, you know?
1: I mean, look at the movie with the vulture.
2: Well, I yeah. mean, that was great, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, the vulture is like, the vulture is fine, but, like, he's not an all-time great villain, you know? Like, Adrian Toomes is whatever. But they did a great job of of using what is a cool concept and, and making it work, you know?
0: I also look at Spider-Man, um, the sort of Peter putting on the costume as a job, in a sense. Like, he takes he takes yeah, that as a, a, a big-time responsibility that is equivalent to a job. And um, I think some of... Like, his job is to stop these villains. And not all of them are necessarily going to have incredible ties to him, but they're his responsibility to deal with nonetheless. And so you look at somebody like Sandman... Who doesn't really have any relationship to spider-man or whatever he's he's someone that spider-man has to deal with right and after a long day's work of dealing with sandman spider-man goes home to mary jane and whatever you know and i think that that's totally appropriate um and and those characters add to the story in the sense that not every not, just like not every girlfriend you have or boyfriend that you have is going to be like the love of your life, not every villain that you have is going to be the biggest thing the ever. love
1: of your life well
3: <laughs> yeah Batman well yeah Joker. exactly
2: right and and I think you know what's so cool about the villains that are the really the big bads are the ones that they worm their way into Peter Parker's life you know like Norman Like Norman is such a not, and not just the Green Goblin Norman you know is such a huge huge like shadow over his life you know and uh and the fact that it you know it it was the end of his relationship with gwen that it's you know a constant struggle or thing that is like looming over his relationship with his best friend you know or the person who's supposed to be his best friend um well, to take it to that, right, Doc the fact that Doc Ock ends up marrying Aunt May or fucking taking over Peter's life, like, or Venom, who has a vendetta against Peter, you know, more than Spider-Man, or at least Eddie does. Like, those are the characters that I think... That's why we really remember them, or even Craven, right? Like Craven's whole thing is so like psychologically tied up in like wanting to beat Peter and be better than him and have, have being embarrassed by him, you know. And I think those are the characters we really remember. But his B and C listers are mem- more memorable than fucking ab- many other heroes A listers, you know. Sure,
3: and I yeah, go ahead. Like, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna say uh, to that point, like you could name, you know. uh way more uh spider-man villains than you can flash off the top of your head i mean maybe not us necessarily but any like like marco definitely could yeah
2: even like yeah even like, Even like a yeah right like i mean fuck we couldn't even name three wonder woman villains or in our fucking special it's like, I could probably rattle off 12 Spider-Man villains that most people have heard of, at least in a tangential way, if you've played a Spider-Man video game or fucking some other shit, you know?
1: So, Sean, this is where I wanted to ask you some questions about Spider-Man in the last 10 years since we're talking about the Rose Gallery. Sure. What's the deal with the Jackal and the Negative Man, and how big are they in, as like villains to Spider-Man right now? The Negative well, Man. It. Is that his name, Mister Negative?
0: Mister uh, Negative,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so all right, so <laughs> we, the, we were...
0: the, the Jackal is is a character from the '90s, which a lot of us right. are familiar with. He's the reason that the Clone Wars happened and all that stuff. It seems uh, like he's bigger now.
3: He, no, I mean they just did the. Um, he's got the, a little more relevance now, just because he's kind of popped up again.
2: Yeah, because well, they, they brought back Ben Riley and everything, right? Right. Like, that
0: was more of a that was more of a Ben Riley story than a Jackal story. Uh, Jackal, was, Jackal wasn't Jackal was really even like a big deal in that. Um, Mr. Negative, I would say that of all the Spider-Man villains that have been introduced over the last 10 years for sure, you could even extend that to maybe the last 20 years, uh, Mr. Negative is the one that has penetrated the most in terms of uh, popularity and um, I mean, he's, he's going to be one of the villains in the new Spider-Man video game for PS4. Um, so... He, He's he's pretty popular. He represents sort of the the dark side of duality, sort similar to Norman except that for Mr. Negative, he when he's when he's Mr. Negative, he's evil as hell, right? But then he's got this other personality who's like a very much a good guy who tries to um who tries to have like this food pantry for the homeless and you know he's doing all these things, but then as Mr. Negative he's subverting all of that. So um Whereas Peter has two identities, or really one identity that you know he puts on a mask and and quote unquote becomes someone else. Mister Negative is this great guy who becomes an evil bastard when he you know when he gets taken
1: over by his alter ego. Um, one so thing. How, Sorry, how, go ahead. how formidable of a foe is he? Like like, like I don't know. Is he Spider Man's biggest villain next to Doc Ock in the last ten years? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, probably because. Even though he, I wouldn't say he's like super formidable in terms of physicality. Um, he, there's one particular storyline where he he creates this drug that can take over people. So he actually like takes over Spider-Man and makes Spider-Man evil. And they have to his his allies, the Prowler, and I think Mockingbird may, may be in that storyline as well. They Donald have to, Lover? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have to. No, this is Hobby Brown. Other, no, I know, I know, yeah, I know. There's no, I, I know. I was just, yeah. Um, <laughs> they they have to work to stop them, and um, it, it really changes when Spider-Man learns that I can't remember the, the the character's name. I'll look it up right now. But it really it really changes when Spider-Man learns that Mister Negative is actually this guy who, as Peter Parker, Spider-Man has gotten to know. Martin Lee is his name. Uh, that's the name of of Mister Negative's alter ego. Um, when when peter parker's working with this guy he's like wow what a great guy and then it turns out that mr negative is this is this criminal underworld lord that he's been fighting on the sidelines
2: it's like uh, it's it's like very reminiscent of the lizard
0: sure or or norman osborn to some extent like the or even doctor octopus in in some incarnations like in spider-man 2 like it it very much has those elements to it
3: with a little yeah, bit but of, I mean, with like... a little bit of wilson fisk peppered in there
2: yeah Fair, yeah, yeah I was gonna say just like specifically with um with doc Connors it just it's like that very like dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde where it's like doc Connors is very much spider man's friend the lizard is very much not
0: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, absolutely um one thing that does intrigue me about spider man's villains and I think this speaks to his character is how much the greatest spider man villains ever have wanted to emulate him uh Doc Ock huh. wants Oh wow,
2: yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, Doc Ock wants to be the superior Spider-Man. Venom decides that he wants to prove that he's better than Spider-Man by moving away from him and becoming the lethal protector. Kraven wants to prove that he's better than Spider-Man and yeah, he's last the heart.
3: superior Spider-Man.
0: Right. Uh there's Norman Osborn becomes a superhero, you know? Like all of them at some point or another decide that they want to prove themselves as worthy by being better than spider-man and i think that that only speaks to how um the like how great of a human spider-man is you know how great of a hero he is that all of these people want to be like him even as villains i think
2: it's funny too because it seems like (laughs) it's like very childish too because all the villains do it in a way of it's like well, I can't beat you in a fight, so I'm going to prove I'm better than you by being a better superhero. It's like, how do you think that's going to play out?
0: Right. <laughs> not, not so great. <laughs> um, I, I guess the only place to really go is to talk about the now, unless you guys have some some specific things about his, you know, about his earlier years that you want to talk about.
2: I mean, I, I feel like it would be a bit uh, remiss of us to not like maybe spend a little bit more time on Harry because I think he's another really important character in Peter's life and I think kind of fits in this same conversation of like close friend but also villain sometimes you know
0: sure uh, when you talk about characters that have grown Harry Harry Osborn had a ton of growth um, in the years that he was you know the, the mainline years he's back now from the dead but the mainline years that we think about him being relevant in, in Peter's life he went from being so somewhat of an antagonist to then they move in together and become close friends. Meanwhile, but
2: romantic rivals too. And- right.
0: Me- meanwhile, um, Spider-Man's greatest enemy is, is, uh, Harry's father. Harry, um, uh, becomes a, a, drug addict. Uh, that's he- one of
1: those, tent, uh, uh, one of those temple moments in comics too. Yeah. And Harry Osborn is addicted to, what is it? Heroin or something? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is it heroin? I'm Cause I, I'm pretty sure I'll look. Cause I, all I know is I I remember in the um the death of Gwen Stacy like I just reread it uh earlier even um in preparation for this and he was on LSD okay but he was like acting like he was like you know in the throes of like dr- crazy drug addiction and it's like obviously that's like crazy but um, so
1: challenged the comic code at the time
2: yeah that's true um
0: I was just gonna say that he he overdosed on LSD and died okay right yeah and died (laughs) but um but yeah and then he he ends up becoming the green goblin later on which is you know and and i should say he didn't die from he didn't die from uh lsd overdose he he died
2: as um the green the green goblin but oh okay uh, i was like what (laughs) yeah he overdoses on lsd and like starts freaking out and he's like stuck in bed and acting all crazy and stuff um But yeah, and then I think that's just another, it's it's another example of, right, of like how Spider-Man is like Peter's responsibility. It's what he needs to do, but it also is poison to his life, you know, which is like, you know, whether it's Gwen dying. Right. And him losing the woman he thought he was going to marry or him losing the woman he did marry in Mary Jane, you know, because of this or in, in maybe being shot because of him, of his actions as Spider-Man. I think Harry is like one of the perfect embodiments of it because he does go through all these changes with Peter. And so many times it is like the pain that Spider-Man or that he thinks Spider-Man has caused him, you know, warped him into what he became. Right.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, he he ends up getting a happy ending in the now, um, you know, the new comics being resurrected by the events of One More Day. But Norman Osborn or Harry Osborn is absolutely a tragic figure in Spider-Man's life, Peter's life, that, you know, it's just it's just another example of how the writers have never been afraid to push Peter and his supporting characters to the brink for the sake of growth and for the sake of good storytelling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I know we want to move on and wrap it up because we're getting a little long in the teeth here. But I would love to do a special someday just about the the ro- the like romances in Peter's life because we could talk. We'd do a whole episode just about his relationships with Gwen and Mary Jane and Black Hat and all these other all these other important women in his life.
0: Yeah, you could do a, you could do a whole episode about his villains. You know, like there's just so much meat to yeah. the character. Um,
2: I, I, We should do that. I,
0: I think we, we should acknowledge that Ultimate Spider-Man is a thing.
2: Uh, it, <laughs> it sure is a thing. It,
0: it's, it inspired a lot of people to come back to comics after sort of the 90s bubble that popped that saw so many people stop reading comics. Ultimate Spider-Man was what brought a lot of those people back. Uh, included. Of, yeah. It was a return to basics. For the character, it was a continuity-light, continuity-free version of the character that is what sort of people were done with continuity and didn't want to see that anymore. And Ultimate Spider-Man being written so well and having new takes on characters that were fresh and reflected the society that we lived in at that time um, is what made people so interested in it and to love it so much. Uh, I don't really want to spend too much time talking about it just because... We could talk for five hours about a Spider-Man episode, Um, but I want to acknowledge that it did exist and how amazing it was. Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley, and all of the other phenomenal artists that did work on this book um, deserve acknowledgement because it was phenomenal. And, um, you know, look, we got Miles out of it. You know, the only character that anyone really cares about from Ultimate Comics is Miles.
1: Is there... Well, I was going to say because I know Pete rags on the multiple Spider-Man and the Earth Prime thing, but like, as far as. Is that what it's called? Yeah.
2: No, it's Marvel Prime. Marvel Prime.
1: whatever. Earth Prime is a DC thing. Yeah, that's why I
2: laughed. It's like, oh, you DC boy. (laughs) Marvel. Marvel Prime. That's what they call 616 now.
0: It, well, <laughs> yeah. it, it, technically, it's Earth. It's Earth Prime too, because there were all those parallel Earths that got destroyed in uh, Secret Wars. So either one is fine.
1: But go on, um, John, You were talking about the now, but I know like some of the most critically acclaimed books in Marvel were Spider-Man related books. With the Scarlet Spider book, that was one of them. Uh, Peter David's Spider-Man twenty nine nine book, and then Rick Remender's Venom title, which and Spider And Spider-Gwen, these are all things that are, like, really penetrating the either comic book readers or the general cultural zeitgeist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Spider-Gwen is one of the most popular uh, comic book characters right now, I would say, without question. And you just need to look at and You need to go to any Comic-Con and look
2: at uh, the cosplays to know that. Um, or shit, man, even just, like, general merch at, like, you know, you like a Hot Topic or something like that. Like, you see Spider-Gwen shirts and stuff, and it's like, really? Like, wow. Like, she is majorly penetrated. Yeah. Um, he and I
1: talked about this on our Let's Play that we're going to do, but, like, it seems like if any analog to Harley Quinn could exist in Marvel for, like, general audiences, this is, like, a genuine comment, it would be Spider-Gwen. Right. It's not like characters are similar, but.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's what they've done with Gwen Poole, isn't it? Yeah. Uh
0: so obviously there have been a lot of Spider-Man spin-off characters. I do want to talk about One More Day and Brand New Day and all of that stuff that came after. Um basically One More Day was a story we kind of we kind of brushed on it uh where after back in black which saw Spider-Man return to the black costume on May gets shot because Peter Parker's identity has been exposed after he goes on stage during the Civil War and reveals himself. Kingpin decides, hey, this is a great opportunity to get rid of my Arch Nemesis and has, um, a Hitman go and try to take care of that problem. Aunt May is shot and in order to try to save her life, Peter, you know, reaches out to all of his friends in the superhero community and none can save her. And so he has to take, he has to turn to the devil. Uh, Mephisto. And Mephisto offers to save her life in exchange for his marriage to Mary Jane. Now, th- the controversy aside, we could talk about that forever. Let's just put that aside. I want to talk about whether or not you guys think, objectively, based on your associate, your understanding of the character, whether or not you think that this is something that Peter would do.
2: No. I think it's so immature. Like, it, it, it was such a it, 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 like I, all three arcs we're about to discuss were the last arcs of of Amazing Spider-Man that I read, and it was because I hated how they handled this, and I, I think if you look at the first two and a half issues of One More Day, you know, like they're written very well, uh, at least at parts, and I, I think like what they have to say about how Spider-Man is handling this, about how he's making the grief all about him and about his guilt and his responsibility and all this stuff instead of just accepting what's happening and going and being there for Aunt May and her final moments is so, so not Spider-Man. And, like, him giving up his, like, marriage and stuff, it's just like, no. Like, I don't buy that. You know? It's like, I understand why the guilt, right? Like, him not being able to handle that guilt, why this would be too much. But it's like... You know, like, guilt is such a big part of his character already. Like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back and that he's willing to just do these things that feel so out of character for him. Like, he has that great conversation with Doctor Strange, right? And I feel like, I remember reading that and just being like, yeah, like, this makes sense. Like, this is, I think, a thing that he would be able to accept and 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 walk away from and, and grow from, you know? But, like, he doesn't.
0: I think that this – I think his choice is in line with, with, with Peter Parker because he is selfish in some senses and he is immature uh, in some senses. And I think that – I think he would do this, but I think that we've talked about growth and, and change and it was an opportunity for him to grow beyond that and make a choice that would be mature and reflect – hey, you know what, this is something horrible that happened, but I have to live with this. His choice to not live with it, I think, doesn't, it's not in line with what has been So Spider-Man, which is growth, which it doesn't offer, but I think it is in line with who he is as a person. I think he would have made this choice with Uncle Ben, and I think that the fact that he had lost Uncle Ben played a huge role in his choosing to, Um, give up his marriage. Because in his mind... I agree with that, for sure. In his mind, Mary Jane will still live. She'll still exist as a person. That's all well and good. You can find other love in life. Um, But to lose someone who has been such a tentpole figure in your life for your entire life, I think that's pretty hard to give up. And maybe it would have been a better choice for him to learn to live with it. But I also think beyond how we feel about like you know why this was done on a meta level i think on a storytelling level i get
1: it i have a hard time divorcing the two because the meta is why the story
3: happened and it's i mean it's so prevalent in this too like i don't know it's tough yeah
2: And like, I don't, I don't agree with that, honestly. Like I, I, I have such a hard time thinking that like, oh yeah, I can just find love again or whatever. It's like, no dude, like Mary Jane is like such an important person to him. You know, like she's supposed to be as important to him as aunt May. And I know that aunt May is like his mother, but like your wife is supposed to be as important to you as, as your parents, you know, like
3: that's, and And I like in, in, in the, in the, in the story, he has a conversation with his daughter. Yeah. like it, it doesn't like that doesn't track like I'm sorry but like you know Aunt may had a full life and I think at some point you know it's its said that you know what if she had cancer or what if she just died in her sleep the fact that the fact that it you know was his fault is yes it's a very spider-man you know Peter Parker way to to end that character's life. And for him to be upset about that. I absolutely agree. But at the end of the day. Like. I just. I i don't buy it.
2: Like literally everything in that story is fine. Up until the decision. Like if it had been. Mephisto gives you the offer. I refuse. And I go and accept that Aunt May is going to die. It would be a great fucking Spider-Man story.
1: I'm a, yeah but like. At least he exhausted every option too. He goes to Dr uh doctor strange he goes to doctor doom he like, dr
2: octopus
1: doctor octopus like he exhausts all the options and the only person that can do it is the devil
3: and and, that, and that's something I just don't understand you're telling me yeah, hang on hang on you're telling me <laughs> it was just a it was just a bullet you're right and, that's why and I, yeah it like it just it's just a fucking bullet it's a bad story, that's why I
0: wanted to have the conversation divorced from the meta because that you're right you're you're one hundred percent right. this is extremely dumb, but that's the story that they were trying to tell
3: and the so. only person that can savor is the devil no, nah, sorry, dude, yeah no, thanks, okay. man. so uh, you know what I love my wife sorry
1: we have got I a love few, kale sounds off We've got a few
0: minutes left with those few minutes. I would like to talk about miles. As being the sort the of only
1: Spider-Man,
0: shut the fuck up,
2: Phil. <laughs> so uh, you're not even allowed on the Superman episode, okay? Sorry, right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: I I made this point kind of in the break because I did want to get back into this. Um, the reason that I both agree with Pete and don't agree with Pete is that, like, I really like my Miles. I think it's a a logical next step i think he, he's a really great character but I, I i think miles is the the biggest victim of of marvel's desire to have its cake and eat it too you know and and i think i've said this before we we never got time like considerable time in the real world with miles as spider-man you know, it's uh, very similar to the Dick Grayson, Bruce Wayne thing. We got a little bit of time with Dick as Batman, but man, think of what we could have had. Well, I agree. And and uh, like, uh, I don't know. I like Peter Parker. I like Peter Parker a lot. I kind of would rather see him dead to see more. <laughs> and I, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm certainly not saying that to to trigger anybody. But like. <laughs> But like, you know, think of the mild stories we could have. You know, to see this character evolve. And so you're saying there's a lot of mileage. Oh, come yeah. on. <sighs> that's Man, you're, awful. You're a villain. You're <laughs> a true villain. You know, uh, I, I don't know. That's 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 my opinion on that. Like,
0: I okay. So I don't. I don't understand what you guys mean when you say that Marvel's trying to have their cake and eat it too. Because the so first of all, Miles has been pretty organic, right? He came from the Ultimate Universe. He was a character that existed there. Peter died. Someone else took up the mantle. That's a that's a very comics thing, um, and 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 it was cool. You know, I think it worked. I think the way they told that story was awesome, and they just they just let. Miles do his thing and we got some cool stuff out of that. And then because of his popularity and no other reason, well probably be also because Bendis created him, um they decided to bring Miles over into the MC, into the into the Marvel universe. The the well, yeah, Marvel They're pulling
2: up the Ultimate Universe. Right.
0: Um so they saved that character and brought him over. Uh I think that what they've done since then has been awesome. He very much exists and is a very—he um, doesn't feel like the lesser Spider-Man. They've they've gone out of their way to make him feel super important. His stories are good; they're high quality. they're I mean, it's the same as Ultimate. So if you liked that, there isn't any reason not to read what they're doing in Marvel proper with with um, Miles as Spider-Man. And uh, Peter exists too. So this is an example, in my mind, of how to do it right. Because every other example is, oh, well, Wolverine's dead. So here's uh, X-23 as Wolverine. Don't like it too bad. Uh, um, Iron Man's dead in a coma or whatever. Here's Riri Williams as Iron Man. Don't like it too bad. It's like no, no choice. But here it's like, well, hey, if you want to read stories about Peter Parker living his life as an adult, as a rich um, billionaire who's trying to save the world read Amazing Spider-Man. But if you want to read Miles stories about him as a young person living that life, then read Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, honestly, I think I think the big part problem for me and like why like I honestly you think I probably a vendetta? I think I would probably have a lot less of an issue with it if if Amazing Spider-Man was in a place I wanted it to be. You know, like if if Peter had the future that I wanted for him, you know, then like it would probably be a lot easier for me to be like, "Oh, cool! Look, we have Teenage Spider Man and we have Adult Peter." But like, it just feels like he's more and more turning into like, "Oh, he's like Tony Stark or Reed Richards, and he's he's a rich scientist who's altruistic." And it's like, okay,
0: that's yeah. See, no, no offense, but you saying that is how I know you don't read them because yeah, I don't. Because and and that's fine. You don't. You absolutely don't have to. But like, that's. If that's not how it's that's not how it's done in the book, like it's very clear that he's in over his head with this stuff, and um, Dan Slott has been building a narrative ever since they started this run of him being like this rich billionaire owner of a company that that he's out of his depth. And that this is... He's not Tony Stark. And he's not Reed Richards. And he's trying to do the right things. But because he doesn't understand that world... He fails. And because he's still Peter Parker... This isn't right for him. And it's very obvious that they're building... That they're building a story that's going to take him... Down a couple of pegs. Because that's probably where he's... Where he's most suited to be. And I think that that was always the plan. Because from, from issue one... It's there,
2: yeah, I mean they also just I know they just announced that they're gonna have him go back to the daily bugle, but he's not gonna be a photographer, so it's like I'm thinking he's probably gonna buy the bugle or something, and like you know I don't know well peter Peter's name
0: is is being dragged through the mud like there's a whole there's a whole thing going on with that, but I feel like I feel like the stories that they're telling right now with Peter um are just another it's a it's another track, you know like it's it's you know we we saw him as an adult living the life of like he's a teacher and all that stuff as a married person now we're seeing like another very real lifestyle aside from him being a billionaire which is like i'm i'm a 30 a year old millennial uh like just a bachelor like all of those things are real we're not 30 yet none of us here but you know if we if we were single you know all of us are in relationships except yeah, for Phil but Phil's Phil's a bachelor right like there's there are things that are relatable to the people who have been growing up with Peter um for all these years still even though he's a yeah. you know he's a billionaire so i just i feel like it's it's i just
2: hate that i fucking hate him being I, a billionaire like I,
3: for me it's 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 another sort of logical conclusion like if he's smart and if he's as smart as they say he is there is some potential there. And and granted, it came through Otto, you know, as a superior Spider-Man. I'm not knocking that at all. But if he's as smart as they say he is, and he was working for a company where he was building all sorts of other technology, it, it makes sense.
0: That's a good point, too. This wasn't even his doing. Like, he he got his body back and had all of these things like... I, like not even knowing yeah. how to handle it, and, like and that's right, him. and that's very clear in the stories.
1: Sure. Also, also, this is this feels reminiscent to me of when the New Fifty Two launched, and a lot of people took umbrage with the new version of Superman, where they didn't like the like, people call them Superbro, right? And it's just like <laughs> that's. Really, did you not know that, Sean? No. Yeah, oh yeah, I hadn't, that's what they called me. Yeah, people on the internet called New Fifty Two Superman Super Bro. as like a epithet. But like people get really wrapped up in their own headcanon of a character rather than reading what a author has to say about a character. And that feels like the dance lot to me is that he's got a unique take on this thing and he's telling a unique story and it's okay for it to not to fit into a specific headcanon.
3: So what all this has to do with Miles? <laughs> for me, I guess I guess my problem is sort of rooted in in kind of what we were discussing uh about the the animated series. Um in the comics, eh, I guess I would I would sort of agree that they've kind of gone out of their way to to make him feel like Spider-Man. They gave him that, you know, that title. It's not Ultimate Spider-Man, it's not Miles Morales Spider-Man it's spider-man uh, yeah okay uh but i also like it's also the problem of we're having this new spider-man series and miles and anya are there like they're just characters spider-man is you know in canon he's 30 years older like all, like what it feels like is marvel's just paying lip service to these characters to get their name out and cash in on that
0: uh, character, I, that cash in on that name. I certainly see your point. I don't think that that's. I don't. I quite frankly, I don't think that's a problem because this is a this is a show that's very much aimed at an audience that has probably never even read a comic book before, that has no idea how this stuff is supposed to play. Its set in high school, they want to include these characters because especially for those young people listen man when you're when you're a young minority, like you crave for there to be some relatable characters, especially like now like that's that's where it's at now,
3: and but that's right, but that's what I'm saying, like just give miles a show well, all right, but then but then but then but
0: then there's Pete, you know, like then there's Pete's element where it's like, well hey. What about me? I love Peter. I want Peter. Why is Miles the only character that's going to get a show? And maybe there isn't room for both of them to have a show. So this is the best Uh, solution. We don't know the Marvel generations. We don't know, man. We don't know. Like Marvel, we don't we don't know what what they're doing and why there isn't a Miles show. That's fair. But Miles is getting an animated movie, so clearly they care about making him a big character. But. What are they going to do? Is he going to be Spider-Man on the show? Who knows? We don't know. It remains to be seen. And I'm just glad that they're keeping him in the front, that they're, that, they're, that they're using him more on these shows. He has a recurring role, whereas before he was in a few episodes of that other show. He's a main character here. And if this show goes long enough, maybe he does become um, uh, Spider-Man as well. You know, we don't, we don't know. It remains to be seen. And I think that this is a good thing. Uh any last words on that front or any other fronts before we wrap this up?
2: Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean like I have my feelings about it. It's like could be good, whatever.
1: Oh hell yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my good goodness. Good shit, Pete. <laughs> you're you're asking for it. Um so that's going to do it for our conversation on Spider-Man. To be honest, I really strongly feel like we could have done this for another hour. Um, just because there's so much meat here. This is definitely our longest episode in some time. But we had to do it because um, at the end of the day, Spider-Man is important to all of us. And I think Spider-Man is the embodiment of what superheroes are supposed to be. Um, and how you can have a superhero character. Um as not only work not only on the level of a superhero a person with amazing powers but also a human who any kind of person can relate to i think any kind of person can pick up a spider-man comic book especially those early ones and see themselves in them uh even me as a young minority i was able to see myself in, in peter pete grew up reading those same comic books at that same time and saw himself in those books we all did And that's what makes Spider-Man so important. And that's why he's been relevant for so many years and will be for so many years to come. That's why Homecoming was a massive success. So kudos to Spider-Man. And I'm sure this is not the last time that we'll do one of these. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of The Comics Pals. Let's do some plugs. Um, You can find us all over the internet. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. We are wherever. You listen to podcasts, we're probably there. Uh, you can hit us up on any social media platform. We are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at TheComicsPals at gmail.com. You can let us know what you thought of this episode. For sure, we want to know if you want us to do any other character analysis episodes. Uh, you can write to us and let us know all that kind of stuff. Buy ourselves, random questions of the week, all that. Hashtag pals polls on social media for us to acknowledge your polls for the week. Um, and on YouTube, you can leave us a comment. We really appreciate those. You can like the video, subscribe to the channel. That's hugely important, and share with your friends. Uh, so let's, let's hit the plugs. Pete, you set us off.
2: All right. Thanks for joining us here on another episode of the comics, pals. If you guys want to get some more content from me, you can go check out my writing over at CBR. If you want to get me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on both Twitter and Instagram. You can come talk to me about Spider-Man and then, uh, please tune in tomorrow for the video game pals with me and Sean. Uh, oh no! I'm sorry. Sean won't be here this week. Actually, it's gonna be me and Thompson. We're gonna be reviewing the uh, Castlevania anime that just came out on Netflix. And uh, Thompson just got himself a Switch, so we've got plenty to talk
3: about. Come oh shoot! Awesome. Oh, I'm gonna have to turn into that am, one. I am dying for a Switch. I just found out you can pre-order uh, stuff at GameStop, and they don't charge until they ship. Yeah. Oh, it's killing me. Do it. All right, Kale. Uh you can find my stuff at uh panelspublishing.com. I have a two issue series called From the Deep. Uh please buy it. I I don't know, please fund fund his <laughs> switch. I need I need a switch. Fund his switch. Switch Hashtag
1: money. Fun, kill, switch. Uh
3: other than that, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, totointo. That's t o t o i n t o w. Uh
1: Phil as not the villain of the show, but the greatest hero the show's ever had. And as The Bachelor, you can find me on Tinder. Talk to me about Miles on <laughs> Oh, you're on The Bachelor? Uh, not this season, no. But the next season, maybe. You'll never know. And uh, we'll talk hot, hot about... exclusive. Hot sluicy. And you can talk to me there about
3: uh, Miles Morales. Uh, follow Marco at woe is Marco? On Instagram and woe is Marco underscore on Twitter.
0: Yes, and I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. You can talk to me about whatever you feel like talking to me about. I will talk to you about it because I am lonely. And that's going to do it for... The- <laughs> that's not true. I'm not actually lonely, guys. Don't worry about me. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we are the Comics Pal signing off. Take care,
3: guys. See you next week, Spider-Fans. Why doesn't Spider-Man shoot webs out his butt?